Hi, Fashion Hotline. Hi, this Easter, I'm on the hunt. For eggs? For new styles my family can wear to brunch. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now, get a huge 50% off your entire purchase in store. Everything you need, like dresses, polos, and shorts, is 50% off. 50% off? You must be hiding something. Dresses start at just $12 for women, $10 for girls. But Easter's just three days away. Then hop to it. It's in stores only. Don't tell the Easter Bunny. Hurry in for 50% off your entire purchase in stores only. Now at Old Navy. Valid 14 to 420 in stores only. Excludes in-store clearance, gift cards, register lane items, jewelry, today only, and two-day only deals. He did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. He did the mash. It caught on in a flash. He did the mash. He did the monster mash. From my Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is your host, Graham Zima, of the five event special Monsters at Midnight, right here on the Zima Podcasting Network. We apologize for the late start. It is approximately 12.20 a.m., 11.20 p.m. if you're in the central time zone. And joining me is my companion for this entire month-long experience, Matthew Schaefer. Good evening, everyone. You have a, a voice for, a, for, a, for a hosting some sort of Halloween show, Matt. Uh, it's something that I dabble in from time to time. I like doing spooky voices in the style of like old TNT Monster Vision back when uh like AMC and TNT would do like decent monster movie marathons. So yeah, back in the day. Back in the day. And that's like even before like I was alive like 80s early 90s. Ooh, you're a big 80s man, aren't you? I am. 80s horror movies. We're going to probably get into that at some point if there's I mean, not much to talk about. If I have anything to say, we will. <laughs> Definitely. For sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, so we'll kick off this event, this first episode of many. We'll kick it off with a plug here. Uh, plugging tomorrow's premiere of the Green Bay Packer Companion with my friend, Barrett Hartman, uh, at 10 p.m. Central, 11 p.m. Eastern, uh, right here on Speaker.com. You can also catch that program on iTunes. Also, if you want to listen to this show on iTunes, it should be up in the next few days. I can't say for sure. Um, I've had very quick responses from Apple. I've also had very slow ones. So that'll all depend, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens for sure. Um, Let's kick things off with a spooky read today. A spooky, spooky read. Matt, uh, you have not heard this story. You, you've heard of this story. I've heard of this story from you, a very basic synopsis. This apparently estimated reading time for this post is going to take 15 minutes and 6 seconds, but I would like to consider myself, for the most part, a somewhat fast reader. Fast talker, if Fast anything. talker. Fast talker. I don't know. We'll see. Um, this is called The Story of Her Holding an Orange. So get comfortable. This was posted in March 1st of 2013. It even gives the time at midnight. Oh, goodness. I think Monsters it's a sign. Monsters at midnight. Perfect. I love it. Um, we're going to start this off right here. Uh, I don't know if I wanted... I was gonna. I was considering playing some eerie music in the back for this, but uh, but I think I'll just read it to you. Well, let's... let's, let's, let's uh, 
Let's Why read not? Some. Let's let's put it up. You know, you know, I I, I figure it's it, if there's any way to set the mood, it's going to be. And if it's not public domain, well, if you go just Google royalty free eerie music, sure yeah, you find no, something. To... And if you're watching, well, come out and play. Uh, oh, let's play this first. I'm gonna I'm gonna play this right here. We're gonna play this through the the, the speaker. We're gonna silence. I'm gonna silence you for a second, Matt. Unfortunately, that's only three minutes and 20 seconds, so that's not going to work. This is a clusterfuck of a show, Matt, but it's perfect. And that's all that matters right here. I'm trying to find something that will at least last just a few minutes before I have to switch over. No, you're not You're not muted, sir. If you can see, uh, if you're watching the video that we're recording right now and Graham will have posted actually tomorrow... Uh, in regards to when we are re- recording this now, yeah, figure that one out. I confuse myself. We're all about spooky music. I've got my LPs for From Dusk Till Dawn, Halloween, and It Follows on the desk, as well as some good old RZ right here. Rob Zombie, which we did. I am the one. Hey, hey, we'll get, we'll get. Saved. Yeah, I gotta save. I gotta save myself for that. Um, all right, we'll 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 start off with this, and we, we may have to change halfway through because none of these seem to be extending past three minutes or so so let's set the mood matt i'm going to silence you because you're just going to listen to this this is going to be my eerie reading of the story of her holding the orange right here on the monsters of midnight podcast and let's start this out i don't know how this is going to work here Ooh, i'll bring it down a few notches though Trying to see if it works. May not. I don't like it anymore. You know what? I'm going to read this just normally, and maybe next week we'll get an actual, uh, we'll get some music behind this. All right. So here is the story of her holding the orange one more time. Okay, guys. Before I begin, I got to give you a fair warning. This story is absolutely true, unfortunately. It is also very long. It goes back to my childhood. But it wasn't terrifying until very recently. Now I am completely lost in fear. I'm an adult man, logical and intelligent. Or I'd like to believe so, sitting in my bed. Scared shitless right now, goosebumps all over my body and tears of horror in my eyes. I ask you for help in explaining this fucking horrifying thing. Caution, you'll notice that I curse quite a bit. Matt, I'm going to let you, actually, I'm going to be a generous fellow here, and I'm going to let you comment. We'll discuss this throughout the entire reading. Sounds good. I had a change of heart, folks. That sometimes happens. I want you to know that when you, what you read from now on is in the situation is a sit, on is the situation perceived by my mind. I like to think that I am a very rational person, and I haven't been able to explain these occurrences in any natural way. Since my mom got a new job, she started making new friends. It is common in our country that friends come to each other's houses for a cup of coffee, cake, gossip, and whatnot. A few weeks into her new job, my mom made friends with this woman, Rose. She would come maybe twice a week, and they'd sit around the coffee table on our balcony and just talk. One day when I was 17, I was at the balcony with them. I'm not sure why I was there, but knowing me, I probably ran out of the internet hours. Back in the day, we bought internet monthly per hour in my country. Was that a thing? Depends on what country this guy is from. He keeps referring to his country. So, so I take this as not an American. I assume he's not American. I assume he's uh, some, like, uh, probably... I won't. I don't want to say third world. Maybe like Middle Eastern countries, something That's like what that. I was guessing too. 
Um, all right. We'll continue here for a second. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, bitter minute monthly per hour in my country and was bored as fuck. So we're sitting there. They're gossiping about who knows what. My mom gets up to go to get some cake. She has baked recently. I remain sitting at the table with Rose, and that's when my life changed forever. Rose is a good-looking woman. She was about five, six, skinny, long black hair, pearly white teeth. Attractive woman overall. So anyways, I'm sitting there with her, and she turns to me. She has this creepy grin on her face, bright red lipstick with bright white teeth underneath, are just making it out look more scary. Her head is moving slowly, almost as if she's become a puppet. She says something in the lowest tone possible. Certainly not loud enough for me to understand. Excuse me, I say. Still not being scared. Just a bit weirded out. You ready to go now, she said in this voice of a child. I kid you not. Like maybe an eight-year-old girl. Grin is still there. She mustered those words through her teeth, never opening the job. Or, oh, never opening the jaw. Jesus. What, I ask? She starts uh, starting to get scared. You ready? The same thing again. Only this time she pulls out an orange out of her purse. That's it. She just took the orange out and held it there. Didn't offer it. Didn't eat it herself. Just held the fucking thing. At that point, I was getting scared as fuck. Thankfully, my mom came with the cake, wrote, Rose, almost as if someone pushed a button on a remote control, switched back to her normal self, putting the orange back into her purse without my mom noticing. I left the balcony creeped out, but I was 17, so I brushed it off quickly. That night, I had trouble sleeping. My room is on the first floor. My window is at maybe five five feet high. So I kept looking at it, praying not to see some scary monster. I would turn in my bed constantly and look at the window maybe every five minutes. It was getting late, and I started to doze off, but decided to look out the window one last time, and there she fucking was, standing in the fucking window, Rose, just standing, looking directly at me. Moonlight was bright enough for me to see, with the same grin on her face. Lipstick was red as ever, and her teeth were whiter than ever. I was paralyzed with fear. I often imagined what I'd do in situations like these, and I always had an escape plan for any hypothetical I threw at myself. But now when this friend of my mother's was, starting to, was staring at me through my window at 4 a.m., just smiling, I was motionless. My mouth got dry. I got goosebumps have them now as I type this. And I swear, it, be it, it became freezing in my room. Probably just the way the body reacts to shock. I finally gathered the courage to get up. I started walking towards the door. Heard her, her, her head was, her head was turning with me. Slowly, with the grin still there. Again, it was as if she were a puppet. I wanted to scream for my parents, but knowing how tense they are, I decided not to cause panic just yet. There had to be some rational explanation, right? For fuck knows what reason, I decided to walk. I decided to walk to the window and ask her what the fucking what the fuck her problem was. I made two slow steps toward it and towards it and froze. I froze because she moved. You know what her movement was? Taking the orange out of her purse. Does anyone know what the record time is for having goosebumps? Because that sure they sure as shit aren't going away. Anyway, after being terrified for a minute, I decided to go on. I'm a big guy and figured I'd be able to fight her off if push comes to shove. My window pulls up. My window pull up order to open. This band, this grammar is just. Which, which leads me to believe that he is from some like non-American. Yeah, I'm country. starting to get that that vibe here, um, because there's some words here that are making sense and they're throwing me off. I pull it open, maybe some ten inches, and stop. She's not moving, just holding the fucking orange and looking at me with the scariest grin you'll ever see. I stand there. She stands there. 
Then she starts bending, but every move she makes is so slow, so mechanical. She's bending so she can reach the open part of the window. I'm horrified. She pushes her head through it, just enough space for her head to go through. You go with me now? As she's saying that in her eight-year-old voice, her hand is making its way through the crack, holding an orange. What do I do? What would you do? Fucking run? I run out of my room, screaming for my dad. My dad being a light sleeper, he jumps out of his bed and screams back at me, asking what the hell is going on. All I can muster is say, Rose, window, while dad is putting his pants on. I run back to my room, wanting Rose to be there so, she, so he can see that I am not crazy. You know how in horror movies, the person you saw is gone by the time witnesses come? Well, that's definitely relevant. Um, wanting Rose to be... Okay. Yeah, well, something similar happened, except I caught Rose leaving. There was a house some 100 yards away from mine in there, and it has one of those motion-activated lights, not mother-activated lights, lots of crime back home. I saw the lights turn on and a glimpse of Rose disappearing behind that house. By the time Dad ran into my room, she was gone. After much talking, he decided that it was just a nightmare and told me to call him if someone physically comes into my room. You and your fucking imagination, he said, walking away. Needless to say, I got exactly zero hours of sleep that night. Well, I would guess if some lady was crawling to my window in the middle of the night, I wouldn't be able to sleep for weeks, not just that night. I wouldn't even want to live in, like, the same room. Or I I would want to, like, I'd probably, like, I'd do anything to, like, barricade the window or anything, like, move my dresser or something if I had it. Yeah, I would, uh, and let alone have... A family member have any kind of connection to uh, the person that I believe is stalking me. That's that's terrifying. Um, so anyway, we'll continue with this story here. Well, I'm probably going to, only going to read part one because this is actually pretty pretty long, um, and I overestimated it. I remember when I originally read it, I zipped through it, but wasn't it originally Reddit posts or uh, it was originally a post. Uh, I don't know these things. You never know what the original source is. From what I understand, to give backstory to people, it uh, there was a there was a book that was published, and apparently this guy played basketball for like Penn State University. I don't know. I I've done a little bit of background research into it, but this this came out a few years back, and it's it's made its way throughout the internet. It's won a few internet awards of some kind. So uh, nothing happened in the next few months. Rose would still come to visit my mom, but I'd make sure I wasn't there. Fuck that. As in, every, as in every teenager's life, so many things were happening around me, and I forgot about the Rose incident. Then one day, I was spending my afternoon browsing internet, years before Reddit, unfortunately. So I'm going to take it Reddit was the original site. I got pretty hungry, as, so as any spoiled child, they yelled from my room to see if my mom would come. She didn't. Oh, well, tough luck. I had to go to the kitchen and make myself a sandwich. Kitchen in our house... Kitchen in our house is connected to the living room, but you can't see the living room until you're at least in the middle of the kitchen. So I open the kitchen and I walk in. I freeze. There it is. Right there on the kitchen table. An orange. Immediate thought of that creepy night. Rose is here. I'm still motionless in my spot a few seconds later. Oh, I'm still motionless in my spot. A few seconds later, I realize how stupid I am for relating a common piece of fruit to a crazy window stalker. So I walk towards the table, wanting to put the orange back in the fruit cabinet. I grab the thing and hear the voice behind me. You'll have to come with me soon, you know. Child's voice. It's Rose. I produce some kind of noise resembling scared pig about to get slaughtered. 
lightning fast, I turn around, and there she is, standing in the middle of the living room, just standing there. Same grin on her face, same lipstick on her lips, teeth white as ever, only she started tilting her head to the left a bit in slow motion. I remember as if it happened yesterday, her long black hair falling down her shoulders, white summer dress, bright red shoes to match her lipsticks, lipstick. I forgot to mention that she was very pale. Even in the summer, she seemed not to be friends with the sun. This added to the creepiness. There's this woman who already scared the shit out of me once, standing alone in the middle of my living room, pale as a ghost, bright red lipstick and shoes, tilting her head to the side, speaking in child's voice. And then, and fucking then, she takes an orange out of her purse, takes it out slowly and looks at me, as if she wants me to have it. Just as my self-defense mode is about to take over and I either run away or tackle the crazy bitch, my mom walks in. I know it didn't happen, but it seemed like my mom brought me, brought light into the room. I released a breath of relief. Rose, of course, went back to her normal, her quotation marks, normal self. They were about to go for a walk, and my mom was getting ready in her room, and she was pulling her grudge shit on me. Since my parents wouldn't believe anything I was saying about her, I wasn't sure what to do. Only thing I could do at, the, at the, that age was nothing, I suppose. But I suppose but I swore I'd punch that woman should she ever come close to me again. This is like one of those classic... It's almost so like a classic slasher movie. It is. That I almost can't believe it. But I gotta take a few seconds here to collect myself. This is fucking insane, though. I know that um, if you do research into the story itself, and I'll be interested once I start scrolling down here to the end of it, and once we get to the end of it, there were, apparently, this guy went all out with this story, trying to convince people, and basically made, uh, or he took photos of, well, we'll get to that, I won't spoil it, let's continue here. A year or so had passed without any incidents. I was getting ready to go to the United States to study in college, since I was going to play basketball there. It's a whole basketball thing. I had to prepare for it. I spent summer away well, from Well, I wonder home. if it's Mexico then, not to, like, inter- intervene, but I wonder if it was if it's Mexico. Yeah, I, um, I'd be curious. I'll look that up after. We'll look up this guy. Well, I, I want to get more. I want to see if this is actually a real thing or this guy's making this stuff up. But either way, it makes for a good story. Since I was going to play basketball there, I had to prepare for it. I spent summer away from home working out in a training camp in a town about 40 miles from my city. During the last night of the camp, the last incident happened. My roommate had left the camp the day before, and I had the room to myself. I was very excited about going to America in a few days, and had trouble sleeping. My room had a beautiful balcony. I was on the third floor of a hotel. Since it was warm, I decided to sit in the chair on the balcony for a while. I walked out, out, sat down, and immediately regretted it. It is really time to come now. I nearly shit myself. I mean, to be honest, I would have shit myself. <laughs> I would not have almost shit myself. I yeah. would have shit myself. If that, yeah, no, especially if she, on the third floor on the balcony, with there's, yeah, that's terrifying. It, and then, uh, I mean, it's only been a while since I heard that voice. Oh, no, I nearly shit myself. I mean, it's been a while since I last heard that voice. But something like that stays with you forever. I turned my head to the right, and Rose was standing on the fence of a balcony of the room next to mine. Mind you, not standing on the balcony or sitting at the table, but standing on the fence. How she was balancing, I don't know. Balcony was at least 50 feet from the ground, and she was holding the orange. 
that fucking orange. Only this time, orange seemed to have been somewhat rotten. Not nearly as bright as the first three times. I was scared that she was... I was scared that she would attempt to jump over my balcony as there was only a few feet distance between them. I was also scared she'd die and attempt to do so and I'd be blamed somehow. I had no idea what the fuck was going on. It is really time, you know, she said in a childlike voice, never opening her jaw, her teeth forever clenched together in the lipstick of color of flesh blood. Fresh blood. She seemed even paler this time, and her head was tilted to the left even more. She wore red shoes. What the fuck do you want me? What the fuck do you want from me? I screamed in desperation. Sorry, I had to add a little. <laughs> Got a great dramatic impact here. Angry that this woman is causing me so much distress, but also hoping that someone would hear me and come witness this crazy bitch's harassment. I only want you to go where you belong, she said. And again, she never opened her teeth. She only sprang her hand more towards me, almost offering me that semi-rotten orange. Fuck you, you crazy bitch. I opened the door of my room, and as I was walking and I heard... You will come. I slammed the door, deciding this woman was schizophrenic. I would have probably flipped out more, but I was leaving the con continent in a few days, at which point I was safe. Wrong. <sighs> Man. Is this at the end? No, no. Okay. Because we have a whole incident here about to take place in the good old United States of America. It's interesting that he brings up schizophrenia because this whole time it makes me wonder, like, is he the one that's insane? That's a good point. Although I have to believe, though, if his mom is interacting with his illusion of some kind. That's true, but he could, I don't know. Just he could like, be somehow he could be perceiving like, her yeah, talking. He could be projecting just, like, some kind of weird fascination and projecting it into an abstract horror. I don't I mean, that's, I don't no claim to know anything about psychology or how schizophrenia works, but just a thought. Just a thought. Well, I always, I always like your insight, so. All right, so we're getting to into the last portion of this, I think. I know I have a wall of fucking text, but this is the shortest version of these creepy events. I came to the U.S. and have been there for seven years now. I forgot about the incidents and went on with my life. Only time I ever thought about Rose was in talking to my mom, who said since I left, her friendship with the crazy bitch fell apart. I was glad. Last seven years were the best of my life. I got my bachelor's and master's degree. I got a wonderful girlfriend. You know, life's good, man. But then. But fucking then. I'm a big technology geek, and I love Apple. Don't shoot me down for this, please. <laughs> You know, I'm gonna shoot you down for this. Typical. We're, we're tuning out, you motherfucker. Even though typical I'm, creepypasta thing, where like they throw in something that doesn't matter, just yeah. to like add like whatever. Like, oh, I'm a real person yeah. talking to you right now. Yeah, yeah. So it was last Friday, September 21st, the release of iPhone 5. So this is a few years back, as we've already addressed. I'm in front of the store with about 50 other people. I am maybe 15th in line. It's raining. It's cold. I've been there for about four hours now. Doors finally open. We start moving in slowly. I look across the street and instantly stop. People run into my back. I can hear complaining, but it's all bouncing off me. Across the street, I see a woman in a white dress, head tilted, holding something orange-ish. Grin on her face, lipstick so bright red I can see it from the other across the street. I can't move. Someone from far back, someone from far in the back pushes, causing me to fall. All I gather myself, I see the woman disappearing behind the corner. I remained sitting on the ground. It was Rose. 
It was her, I swear. I sit there for a few minutes, getting myself together and walk into the store. No phones left. I decide to walk across the street, and there it was. At the place where she was standing, now only she sits a mushed. Terribly rotten orange. Oh, at that at the place where she was standing, now only sits a mushed, terribly rotten orange. Okay, that's it. Just a rotten, rotten orange. I started crying. All memories came back. I thought my whole life would continue of, of being stalked by some maniac. How did she come to find me anyways? I spent the next few hours in a nearby coffee shop drinking tea and reasoning. How could this be logically possible? I kept no secret from my friends and family about the whereabouts. Did she stalk my Facebook? My friends? Did she travel home to, here to harm me? What the fuck is her deal? Answering no questions, I asked myself... Oh, wait, hold on a second. That doesn't make any sense. Oh, here we go. Answering no questions, I asked myself... I went home deciding to keep it all to myself. This guy clearly has got some you know, English issues. <laughs> English is not his first yeah. language. Or he really typed this quickly and didn't really uh, yeah. do any proofreading. My girlfriend noticed something was wrong with me for the next few days, but didn't push it. I figured it was all a fluke, my mind playing tricks because I was up all night before that morning. Plus it was raining. How could I see that well? And that orange well? That was just a coincidence. I convinced myself that I was making it all up. So today a letter came. I get a lot of mail, so it's not that out of the ordinary. But there was this envelope with no return address. I opened it and was immediately shocked. I was holding a Polaroid picture. In it, there was me. Standing in line in front of the store last Friday. Only the picture was taken by a person behind me. It was taken at the moment I was looking across the street. I can tell because I could see the horror on my face. On the back of the photo, there were a few words written in black pen. You come with me now. I dropped the picture and started crying like a baby. Like really crying my ass off. My girlfriend found me in our room, curled up on bed, still crying. She was terrified that maybe someone close to us had died. as She's never seen me let a single tear before, tear before. I had to tell her. I started telling her the story, leaving most details out so I couldn't get to the point quicker. As I was talking, she was getting more and more pale. She never said a word. I finished my story, and she was pale as a ghost, not moving. Then she asked. She asked a fucking question that honestly caused me to almost faint. She said, This woman, did she happen to, um, hold an orange? I froze. She started crying like she, I'd never seen her cry before. We had a long talk that night, and her story and her story required another wall of text. Honestly, I'm fucking tired from this typing this shit, and I'm pretty sure nobody will be willing to read this much. I am also lost, terrified, confused, but if someone does read this, I'll write the rest. I'll write and hope that someone can offer a solution and can answer, maybe. Currently, we're both scared as fuck, not knowing what to do next. Police is an option, but what do we tell them? I don't know, man. I'm fucking scared for mine and her well-being. Help me. And we have an update. Now, like like I said, this was published a few years back. Right. We got some chaos going on out there. It Mike's probably won't pick it up. It's going to distract me. I will yell at him. But He'll be fine. That's okay. This is what happens when you don't have a professional studio, folks. You talk about horror movies and people <laughs> yelling about Donald Trump in the other room. It's all right, though. It's all good. So we have an update here. Update. Okay. Well, guys, shit. Don't know what to tell you. It happened again today, except I didn't see her. Let me give you a rundown of events. So this is at 9 a.m. I don't, I can't give you an exact date to this. This is, like I said, published in 2013. 9 a.m. I go to the local police station with my girlfriend. We tell them all that we know and show them the Polaroid. 
although quite friendly, they say they really can't do much other than maybe file a restraining order against the person who probably, their words, isn't even in the country. They think I mistook her for someone else in picture. And the picture, while well, they said it was probably a prank, they did take the photo and open a file about it, just in case it escalates. It did. 1 p.m. <laughs> Sorry, we're, we're being distracted here. Matt's going to go handle the situation. Or he's going to try to. Oh, no, he's just shutting the door here. That was probably really loud. It's okay. This is this is good. I like this. Uh, I like this idea that he's not... That changes my outlook on it. If he's not the only one that is seeing this woman with the orange. Did I leave off? Okay, here we go. We arrived in town. 1 p.m. We arrived in town where I saw her. Went to this location. There was nothing there. Don't know what the hell I expected anyways. We stayed there for a while. 6.30 p.m. Arriving home, front of the door, front door of the house is open, but this is not uncommon as we live with five of the roommates. Jesus. We go upstairs to our room. Our room, our room is open. That is unheard of as we always make sure we lock it in. And our landlord is the only other person who has the key. I yell asking if someone is there. No responses. Also, no roommates are in the house, it seems. We walk in. We freeze. Our room is descent is decently small, constitutes of two queen-size beds put together in a little dresser, and that's about it. So what did we see? Pillows are all in our dresser, towels on the bed, our sheet is taken off the bed and put on the floor. It's spread out. In the center of it is an orange cut in two halves with a little peel next to it. My laptop is facing the door. It is playing the same song on repeat. My laptop is turned off before I left it. My laptop was turned off before I left it and was also password protected. The song playing is my favorite from childhood. Africa by Toto. Good song. My desktop background was char- changed to one picture from my childhood that I didn't even know I had on my computer. 7pm. We call the police. They arrive 15 minutes later. I take about five pics of the mess just before they come. They'll say they'll start an investigation, investigation but claim that it's not... It's still not serious enough for fingerprints and stuff. 8.30pm. They leave and tell us they leave and tell us to call should anything happen again. Jesus. <laughs> and also advise us to stay with friends if possible. We spend the next few hours just talking, man. Trying to figure it out. We're exhausted both mentally and physically. I'm going to Skype with my mom tomorrow and see if she knows anything. I will type up my girlfriend's story tonight but may post in the morning. I didn't finish it all in time. I will include photos I took. I promise you that much. And then the rest is just a bunch of credits. So that is, like I said, the story of her only in the orange. That is part one of a multi-series. You guys should all check it out. The only reason I'm not going to read the rest of it, first of all, it's very long. Also, there's a whole book that you can purchase. Yeah. Um, and you can also read all the parts on reddit.com. So we'll talk about this while these crazy motherfuckers are yelling out there. <laughs> not a bad story. Not a bad start to a story. It has potential. It does. Um, It wasn't. It wasn't flawless. I had some issues with it. But then again, it's a, a presumably amateur writer just writing a spooky story. More power to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, very much, especially since you bring up the, the book adaptation of it, calls to mind to me the story Pen Pal that was published from a series of Reddit posts. Also, maybe something we will talk about at some point on this show. A uh, very solid story, though. I read it on uh, Google Playbooks. Definitely worth checking out. Um, did like this though. It was uh, interesting concept. Interesting, interesting uh, that this woman 
maybe this woman has some kind of otherworldly powers or maybe she's just utterly obsessed with this boy and anyone that comes into contact with him, which is a very, very terrifying concept. I'm one of the one of those people that finds the idea of being stalked and watched inherently terrifying, which is why even something as dated as the first Slender video game still gets under my skin because I just the idea of being followed it just ugh, it just fucks with me. So yeah, um, I think uh, I've been yammering for a while here because I think Graham is in the process of trying to set up Facebook Live. So are you setting up Facebook Live right now? Okay. Okay. All right, so Graham is basically just trying to set up his phone in a way so he can get a little bit of, uh, uh, oh, yes, uh, October 1st. It brings uh, around that time of wonderful time of year where I celebrate Schaefer's October. Uh, today was Drag Me to Hell, Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell, which I did not get a chance to watch today. I'll probably watch it tomorrow or later on this week. That's what happens. Um, I really have no excuse. Just, uh, I don't know, it's just like uh, watching a movie is just time invested. and I don't know, I'm making excuses, but didn't get around to watching Drake Me to Hell today. Excellent movie, though. Uh, definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, uh, classic Sam Raimi, uh, uh, splat stick humor, uh, great blend of uh, comedy and horror. Uh, which was typical with the Evil Dead movies. Just very, very well thought out, very, very fun movie. Uh, only downside, though, is uh, Justin Long's in it. Anyone that knows me knows I'm not a fan of Justin Long. But even he is uh, slightly more tolerable than usual. Has some great visual gags uh, that are fucking hilarious if you ask me in a very dark comedy sort of way but dark comedy is something that I hold very dear to my heart so yeah Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell 4 out of 5 movie definitely worth a watch uh, especially this time of year it's got great atmosphere great performances more or less and some great Sam Raimi quirkiness Highly recommended, especially fans of the Evil Dead series. If you're a fan of the Evil Dead series and have not seen Drag Me to Hell, Drag Me to Hell is a good one to check out. Perfect. I like it. All no, right, so... No dice on the Facebook Live? Uh, no, we're going to do it. We're going to set me up recording myself. I'll occasionally show Matt. So yeah. Sounds good to me. This is, uh, this, is, this is our best attempt. So I'm going to change. Next week, hopefully, we'll have a better... Uh, shot at the Facebook Live. Episode one, folks. Just still working out the kinks. Working out the kinks here. We have plenty of... Uh... It looks like we're about to go Facebook Live right now. Whoa! Wrong. Wrong camera angle. Wrong for sure. Here we go. Uh, all right. I'll, I'll let, me, let me point this to Matt here. You're going to have to say hello. Hello Matt. there. Hello. Well, you got to... Yeah. Hello there. Wave to the camera. There he is. There. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Want to show him all the knickknacks we have on the oh, table? Oh, yes. So. I'll show everyone here who's listening. If you're listening to the audio version, you can probably skip ahead a few minutes. Uh, look in here. This is the guy from Ghostbusters. Slimer. Slimer from Ghostbusters. We also have some really cool 
uh, album covers, whatever you want to call them, uh, From Dust Till Dawn, Halloween, It Follows. Matt's a big It Follows fan, aren't you, aren't you Matt? I'm a fan of all three of those movies. I, I do love me some It Follows, though. We also have some really cool antiques right there. I'll try to get this above. We got a... Antiques. I wouldn't call them antiques. We're going to call them antiques just to... Uh, just to make... Oh, hello, Kaz. Hello. How are you doing? Just to spice things up a little bit, we'll call them antiques. We also I have... I got this one from Goodwill, so it very well might be an antique. <laughs> and also... Uh, what else do we have here? We don't, we don't have much here, but the Slimer thing, unfortunately, is, uh, isn't going to be presented in any of our recordings because he, you can't seem to get him in, uh... He's really big. But, uh, all right. And this is the whole little setup here. Yay, yay. Awesome. All right. So, uh, let me switch this around here. I'll show Matt as much as I can, uh, but... Don't worry too much about it. Yeah, okay. It's okay, Matt. All right. All right, let's let's move into the other. Whoa, camera. Holy Christ. That's not how I wanted it to go down. You know, it would make it much more simple if this was uh one on a cord. And it is still not working. We're going to have to hold it like this for a bit. I'll have to just get used to it. All right, let's move into a conversation about haunted houses, Matt. Let's haunted talk houses. about haunted houses. First of all, I want to get your experience here. With haunted houses, and then I'll move into mine. All right. And what makes a good haunted house this Halloween? Because I know that there are plenty of options. You'll get options across the map. You got, you know, amusement parks will set up their own kind of haunted houses. You'll get the local haunted houses. Hell, you'll get the neighborhood haunted houses. Absolutely. Which I have been to, and they're very interesting. They can also be a complete <laughs> clusterfuck depending on how well you pull it off. No, yeah, that's very true. Um, Yeah, haunted houses. <laughs> it wouldn't be Halloween if... Uh, you did not see local or uh, or like I, corporate. I guess that's the thing. Corporate haunted houses pop up every everywhere. Every it seems like every city, every town has their own rendition of some kind of haunted house or fun house or something like that. At least around this time of year. I got to be real though. My experience with haunted houses for someone as uh, as uh, loving of horror movies as I am. My experience with haunted houses are very limited. I didn't start to get into horror movies until I was a, like a freshman in high school. So that's a good like like 13, 14 years of me not liking being scared at all. Not liking horror movies at all. Not liking being scared. So I didn't go into a haunted house until I want to say I was a sophomore in high school. Um, we had, uh, it was uh, like a a local, a local uh, group. I, th- I want to say they were called the JCs. I want to say it was some kind of like Christian youth group. I could be entirely wrong, but they would they would set up a haunted house in one of the parks. If I remember, it was a lot of fun. They had some some like mechanical gags, like stuff that would jump out at you. But a lot of the stuff was actual people in costumes that would jump out at you and like follow you around and stuff. Some people would actually follow like the patrons out into the parking lot, and that's one of the things that I remembered. One year, one Halloween before high school, a bunch of my friends went to a haunted house, but I stayed outside because I couldn't do it. But I remember people in costumes just walking around outside too, so it's like you just can't escape the madness. But when I actually did go through, it was a lot of fun. Um, 
and all of us kind of just like all the these like sophomore guys in high school just kind of clinging each other just, just kind of like endurance it just to get through it it was fun um what makes a good haunted house is i don't know because like it's all fear is such a, a subjective thing some people are not phased by gore some people just aren't phased by anything but there is some kind of thrill to just someone jumping out at you and saying boo when you're not expecting it. Definitely, I mean, definitely. Um, if you <laughs> I think they're listening to they it can out there to us the other room because here. I can hear my voice, it's really loud. But uh, what makes a good haunted house, uh, just the experience, the atmosphere. Get some fucking fog machines in there rocking. Some some skeletons and get people dressed up like ghouls and uh, axe murderers and stuff. Just make it fun. Make it campy. Make it uh, make it make it Halloween. What whether you whether it's like even like the most cheesy of haunted houses are fun as shit. Just because like they there's a there's a passion and a love for Halloween that goes into it, and that's something that I think is really special. That was beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, did you ever have you been to the one? Uh, you're not originally from Green Bay, no. But have you heard of the one from Green Bay? I don't know if it's actually in the city of Green Bay. I can't say off the top of my head that I have. Well, I don't know. I there was this one that I went to. I think I was going to a Green Bay Packer game, and they had one in the city. Now I, I, I apologize. This is not a paid paid advertisement, so I don't really care. Uh, but I don't. There was there was one there that I went to that was pretty terrifying. You get on a train. And then they shut oh, all yeah. the lights off in the train, and then it's like strobe lights, which I fucking hate sometimes. I can deal with it, I can't. Strobe um, lights are rough. <laughs> yeah, it just they can be on. very rough. Um, but I, uh, and then there was this this giant, almost looked like Rob Zombie <laughs> figure, just like Rob Zombie if he went to the gym about six times a week, <laughs> swinging a hopefully fake axe, but I couldn't honestly tell you if it was fake or not. Um, and man, I was terrified. I mean, it was one of those things. There's my whole thing with, I, I think we're very similar in haunted houses. For me, it's hard to pull off a scary haunted house. Um, most of the time due to the, the acting talent that you're bringing in. Because That's most of the time you're paying teenagers, college students, college yeah. students, that stuff with really no, sometimes you get lucky. You'll get a few with some sort of acting background. Right. Yeah. Most of the time they don't. And that it really, at the end of the day, you could have all the special effects in the world. But if you don't have terrifying actors who actually get into what they're doing and aren't mm. just there to collect a paycheck. It, you know, no. that's asking a lot, too, right. um, to do that. I, I, I've never worked in a, in a haunted house before, but uh, but I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I think we're very similar in that respect. But what makes a good haunted house? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I I brought this up, hoping Matt would. It's have harder a than you would think, right? Yeah, because like, you know, because there are there are haunted houses I've heard of that like make you sign waivers because like I don't know what caught, whether it's just like they're always jumping at you or they've got like some they're showing like like fucking Auschwitz videotapes or something. I don't know Jesus. what. what <laughs> well, like, that's what what is so terrifying that you need to sign a waiver going into. That's that's crazy. That is crazy. Especially like I said since fear is so subjective. I should look this up at some point. But there is apparently I told you about this, a company that you can pay 
and I'll, I'll oh, repeat that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know what's going to happen, and you know what I'm talking about, but I'll, I'll repeat it just for our listeners. Now, I cannot verify what exactly the company is. If I could, I would. But apparently what you can do is you can pay a company to, in some fashion, abduct you <laughs> and basically kidnap you. Perform a simulated kidnapping and throw you into the back of a truck, blindfold you. And I, if I'm not mistaken, you can be buried alive, but I can't verify if that's an actual true thing. So... You've got to be really in touch with your like inner chakras, your your heart chakras, if you are in an emotional place to be willingly blindfolded and buried alive and be like, yes, this is the way I want to spend my Saturday. Like, no thank you. Not for me. Yes. Um, also, oh, I should point this out to people watching live. Very few of us people have started tuning out. We have some really interesting looking lights here that are changing color uh this is really interesting i, I know i like these i don't know where i got I, oh this were shipped to me by a by a family member uh and they change they do change color this is really cool but if you're listening audio i'll, I'll set the you're scene just for you. Believe yeah, i've set the scene really for you cool. it's basically a uh they're 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 mini skeletons and they are led lights implemented into the skeleton that changed color that's basically the long story short uh moving on then well, one quick story about haunted house uh not a personal story but one that happened in a in a city uh within like half an hour of where i grew up uh, apparently an uh, an older gentleman i don't know if he was like old old but at least middle-aged was going through a haunted house and actually went into cardiac arrest and died yeah. Jeez. And it was, and it was actually several days before they discovered it, because they everyone just thought he was a prop in the haunted house. That's nuts. But it wasn't until he like started to decay that everyone realized that it was just some poor motherfucker that died during during a haunted house experience. It's crazy, man. That is crazy. So if I were to say what makes a good haunted house, uh, something that actually kills you, um, no, no, that, that'd, <laughs> be nuts. that'd be nuts. Um, now I'm gonna pull up this whole little plan here because I'm losing track of where we're going with this. That was the that was the second topic tonight, and now we have to move into oh Jesus, whoa, that's not it. Um, you're getting the full experience here, folks. This is this is crazy to me. <laughs> now my computer's about to explode again. All right. Ah, here we go. Pulling it up, pulling it up, pulling it up, pulling it up, pulling it up. Oh, all right. Here is our next topic of discussion. If you're listening right now, if you're watching right now, hello. Um, if you had to be a serial killer, Matt. Now let's just suppose <laughs> a hypo <laughs> hypothetical world. Matt is a serial killer or has a desire to be a serial killer. Yeah, hypothetically. Yeah. And what a perfect time to do it. I mean, and right now, during the Halloween season. It'd be even to better. unlock your inner serial killer. The best time to do it would be Friday the 13th during October. That's true. <laughs> but, actually, I think there was, like, a, one of those, like, offbeat parody uh, horror movies that was, like, like, I screamed last summer because... Halloween fell on Friday the 13th or something like that. It's got this really long, ridiculous title, but I don't know. 
That's that's insane. So, but, but what would your special ability? Not special abilities. I'm not talking about superpowers here. I wish. How exactly <laughs> would you exterminate your victims? How would I purge? How would you purge? Just yeah. let me purge. Jeez. Fuck that movie. Um, do I get to wear a mask? Um, yes, that would be a, that would be an element of it. If I okay, first off, because this is con- a concept for a horror movie serial killer that I've had for a long time, it's copywritten. So don't you motherfuckers go jacking my shit now, but verbally copywritten. But uh, take my shit. I don't get. I don't get. No, it. don't do it. Um, Matt had his. You know, Matt put thought into it. Um, is a serial killer. Who is well? The full like his full backstory. Obviously, this isn't me, but his full backstory is: uh, drunk drivers run his car off the road, and he's a father. Okay, I should preface this: he's a father of two children, uh, single father of two children, and he's driving home on New Year's Eve, and these two drunk. Drivers, obviously, after a wild New Year's Eve party, come zipping down snowy, icy road and run him, this father, and his two kids off the road. The children die. The father survives. Just just enraged, furious, thirsty for revenge. Next New Year's Eve, he tracks down th- these people and dons a a black jumpsuit and the mask or like the head rather of a crash test dummy. Mm. So that's what I would do. I, cause so there's something inherently creepy about like mannequins and crash test dummies to me, to me. I don't know. I feel like if I saw just some lumbering dude wearing a, the head of a crash test dummy, that'd freak me out. <laughs> and now the more I think about it, it actually, I might be ripping off something I saw on a TV show once upon a time, but the only people that's going to know that is the internet now. <laughs> um, so I'd wear a I'd wear a crash test dummy head, and I would have my weapon of choice. I would say chainsaw, but that's a little too obvious. Um, keeping with the car theme, I let's go with um like a like a tire iron. Or maybe a uh, hammer, or or even a crowbar. I guess like any kind of like blunt instrument that you would assim- assimilate with like body work. I guess you wouldn't really use a crowbar for body work, but regardless, my dad would be cringing because that's what he does for a living. Um, some kind of blunt instrument used for body work: tire iron, uh, hammer, something like that. Okay. Because I feel like stabbing and slicing and grinding has seen their hey- heyday. Let's let's beat the shit out of people. <laughs> Jesus, um, I would. Yeah, I'd have to be. So what was it? So what was yours again? So you had crash test dummy mask, blunt instruments like a crowbar, hammer, tire iron. I'd use, I'd have a whole toolbox. Whole toolbox. I like that. That's actually. I mean, if you look at serial killers, a lot of them don't actually carry full-on toolboxes. They have one single item. Yeah. You'd be you'd be crafty because if one tool fails you or is destroyed, you've got a whole bag of shit. But you a lot, a lot think- of serial killers like in horror movies at least improvise so like Jason's always finding something in his environment that he's using other than like he like 
later on in the series, he had the machete, and that was his shtick. But he would always like improvise for the most part. Yeah, but you have to you'd have to construct it in a way that you could fit it around your waist. Yeah, because you'd have to get some sort of tool belt around your waist because you can't be carrying around. Yeah, we would like wear tool belt tool belt like screwdrivers. Like screwdrivers would be grisly. Yes. Just imagine that. Or like a power drill. Well, I've seen that before, though, in horror movies, so. It's all right, though. Um, I would have to go the old-fashioned route because I think a machete is perfect, but what adds a machete is a running machete, which is a chainsaw. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and I think that's why, I don't know, I like the whole the idea of a chainsaw. You can intimidate them with that sound, that... Like that that to me is terrifying. You know you're about to get fucking killed, so you send a shockwave down your victim. Absolutely. And then and then you just hack him. So you have that still you have two facts working in your case. Um I'd be a really stealthy serial killer though. I wouldn't be right in your face. You would I'd be uh You'd have an to apparition wait. just kind of like Michael Myers. You'd have to wait till the last minute to power up that chainsaw though, because like if someone comes to the house, it's all dark, they're like, oh, Hello, is anyone there? And then they hear you, uh, then but see, I would develop it in a way where it was <laughs> it's a very quick and it's already on and then, <laughs> all right. and then you're fucking slice slice and dice time, baby. Okay. Um so that is the next part. So what what have we learned tonight, folks? Me and Graham need uh, mental help. We need help <laughs> because this is this is not good things to be talking about in front of an audience. Um, so now we're gonna play a little game here. We have a lot of time, folks. So we're gonna get a lot of stuff done tonight. We have a lot to talk about. One stuff thing, that's uh, not even gonna be on. Oh, okay. No, Continue. I'm sorry. Just I wanted to throw in quick something I heard was uh, one of the original ideas that Toby Hooper had with uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is he has, like, a fear of crowds. And, like, there's, like, a bunch of people in, like, a hardware store. And he just imagined to himself, like, grabbing a chainsaw and powering it up and just, like, would watch the people just part around him. And so that was just one of the ideas he had, like, how inherently terrifying, like, the imagery and and, like like just sound of a chainsaw can be yes definitely that's that's interesting i did not know that see you learn everything here on the monsters of midnight podcast when i'm like when i'm like struggling in school i i question myself why i can't remember the basic elements of filmmaking but i can remember the numerous nuggets of horror trivia that's just rattling around in my skull yeah it's crazy it's absolutely crazy. So Matt is, I would call, a horror aficionado. To a certain To degree. a certain extent, but we're about to put that to the test here. Like I said, we have three-hour podcasts to do. That means we have a lot of time to cover, and we're only about an hour in. I'm ready. So we got two Suck hours here. Me. The sleep deprivation hasn't quite kicked in yet, but it's getting it's getting there. But to keep us up here... Well, it's only midnight hour time, so... But see, this is the thing. When you go to bed at such an extreme time as I do every night... Uh, That's true. It starts catching up to you. And tonight, unfortunately, during our podcast, it's starting to catch up to me. But we're, you know what? We're going to power through here. We have an audience that needs to listen to this. Um, and we're going to go till till goddamn 5 in the morning if we have to, which is actually going to be impossible. Because our stream only lasts three hours. That would be a long long podcast but uh we have a lot to talk about today so so we're going to we're going to continue continue discussing um 
everything, everything we possibly can. Uh, we are going to take a quick break here for a few seconds, though. Well, we're going to be right back in just a few seconds, so stick around. It's the Monsters of Midnight podcast with Matt Schaefer, and when we come back, we're going to be doing some horror movie trivia with Matt Schaefer. This has been Monsters at Midnight. Stay tuned. You should stay tuned. We'll be right back, folks. And we're back. It is the Monsters at Midnight podcast. It is approximately 12.18 a.m. Central Time, 1.18 a.m. Eastern Time. And I am joined here by my good friend Matt Schaefer right here on the Zima Podcasting Network on Speaker.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Radio. It is, like I said, 1.18 in the a.m. And we are 45 seconds away from being an hour in. So... We got a lot to cover still, um, and I, I, I was saying this before we went on break, that while we do have a outlined discussion uh, mapped out here, we are going to be probably veering off from it um, the, the, the later we get in the podcast, but we have a set in stone, set in stone schedule uh, for this entire duration of the podcast uh, for hopefully... A majority of it, but once we get to the, the latter half of it, we will be talking, we'll kind of be throwing some topics up in the air. But right now, we are going to play Horror Movie Trivia Challenge. This is from Pro, Pro, Profs.com. Am I even pronouncing that right? Well, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. We're going to start this, and uh, we are going to, okay, so this is going to be a horror movie. This, I'm, this is, I'm testing Matt. Because I want to prove whether or not Matt is a horror aficionado or not. Or to the extent that he is, I should say. Give me some sugar, baby. All right. Question number one. We have 14 minutes to complete this quiz. Oh, and shit. there are 31 All right. questions. All right, I'm ready. Number one. Clive Barker produced which of the two following movies? Is it A, Candyman and Let Me In? B, Hellbound, Hellraiser 2, and Candyman C, Nightbreed, and Hellraiser Bloodline. If you don't know, you're going to have to take a quick guess. I know for sure he produced Candyman, but I'm not sure about Let Me In, so I'm going to go B. B. Correct! Matt is one for one, folks. Whoa, the camera tilted there for a second. Yeah, because I think he directed Hellraiser once, so it makes sense that he would only like produce the second one. All right. Number two. In 2010's Piranha 3D, which actor made a guest appearance? Was it A, Robert De Niro, B, Richard Dreyfuss, C, Samuel Jackson, or D, none of the above? Uh, I want to say D, but I'm not sure. You got to take your best guess here. D. Go D. No, that sounds right. Incorrect. Fuck. Who was it? We got to keep track of this, so you're one for two. All right. Who was that? It was Richard Dreyfuss. Richard Dreyfus. Oh, was. he was in Jaws, wasn't he? Fuck that. Makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, all right. Let me correct this here. We're gonna connect to the Wi-Fi. Trying to reconnect. Let's go. We're running out of time. Let's go. I know. We're we're gonna have to end this live video, unfortunately. So let me continue here. All right. Continuing on. Anyway. Ah, uh, ba 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 ba. 
Okay, here we go. Number three, who was the killer in the original Friday the 13th movie? This one should be a giving Mrs. Mat. Voorhees, Mrs. Pamela Voorhees, whichever. Correct, Matt Schaefer, you are two of three. How do you feel? I, would, I feel just fine. Pinhead is A, A, Pincushion, B, Alien, or C, Cenobite. Cenobite. Perfect. He Hell, is... That was That's Hellraiser. Yes, it is, folks. That is Hellraiser. Who wrote the 1981 film An American Werewolf in London? A, Stephen King, B, Griffin, Dune, C, John Landis. John Landis. Correct. Matt, you are on fire. I was going to say, I know he directed it. I didn't know he wrote it, though, so I guess. All right. Let me pull up this next one here. Who interviewed Brad Pitt's Lewis in the interview with the vampire? A, Tom Cruise, B, Ann Rice, C, Christian Slater, D, none of the above. Tom Cruise. Perfect. Incorrect. Really? Christian Slater. What? That, I don't know if that's true. I'm not so sure about that myself. Bring up the next question. I'm going to look that All up. All right, we're going to confirm that. I don't know how accurate. Now, like I said, I read through most of these questions, but I cannot verify how accurate all of this is going to be. But most of this, I we know, has been accurate so far. So this may just be an incorrect error on the quizzes part. But we're going to continue anyway. Oh, number I would know this one. I don't know if you're going to know this oh, one. Oh, no, that's right. It is right. Okay. Both Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt are in the movie, but Christian Slayer plays the interviewer. Where did Amanda Young find the key to unlock the reverse bear trap that Jigsaw had her in? Was it A, in her eye, B, in the stomach of a sedated cellmate, or C, Jill unlocked it for her? I think it's in her eye. I mean, you would know that. You're the Saw fan. Yeah, okay. So I'll, I'm going to put in their eye. It's not right. Was I it knew, the stomach? It's the stomach of Damn the sedated cell. Okay, all right. I know. You have to see the soft films in order to get that. Only the first one, though, if you're really being honest. I hear the first three form an okay trilogy. Ju-On was the inspiration for what American horror film? The Grudge. None of the above. Correct. It was none of the above. Oh, but, there wasn't an But uh, okay. it had the ring, the shutter, and the unborn. Yeah, it's The Grudge. Number nine, Ben Willis knew what they did last summer. What did the four stars do? A, hit and killed a man. B, kidnap someone. Or C, start a fire and killed a girl. I'm going to go with A. You are correct. Matt, you are on fire so far. I'm... And you still have 12 minutes left, so you can pace, we can pace ourselves here. Which movie was not based on a Stephen King book? A, The Dead Zone. B, Maximum Overdrive. C, Saw. Or D, Children of the Corn. Saw. <laughs> that <laughs> one was a gimme. I thought too, that was going to be more complicated. Too easy. Psycho is loosely inspired by which real-life serial killer? Ed Gein. Ed Gein. Now, can we be? Can you clear this up for me? I mean, only because we have time here. Sure thing. Is Ed Gein also inspire inspiration for Texas Chainsaw? Yes, sir. All Especially right. the the uh, implied cannibalism and wearing of skin and like forming furniture of skin. All right, good. I wanted to just clarify that because I've heard rumors, but I wanted yeah. to go to the. No, when it says at the beginning, it's like, the events you were about to see actually happened. No, it didn't. They didn't. It's, it's Ed Gein. Interesting yeah. note, Toby Hooper, again, I know a lot about Texas Chainsaw for some reason. Toby Hooper tried to get that movie to be rated PG. Hmm. So that's why there's very little blood shown in it. But it's still like watching it today, it's still nowhere near what a PG movie yeah, would be. Definitely. <laughs> Number 12, what killer animal was 2007's Rogue about? A, a bear, B, snake, C, a crocodile, or D, a shark? Let's go bear. Fuck, I don't actually know. I don't either. 
Oh, incorrect. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> what? Sea of Crocodile. Oh. Now, I'm going to be honest. I haven't heard of Rogue before. I have not heard of Rogue. So I couldn't even tell you what it was. A crocodile. Crocodile. Was that in your Malcolm McDowell voice? <laughs> I, crocodile! I'm not even going to embarrass myself. I'll leave okay, that man. to you. This is what this entire this podcast is A for. crocodile, my Drewy. <laughs> Let's make one thing nice and sparkly clear. Michael Myers is dead. D-E-A-D. Well, that line is originally from A Clockwork Orange. That's why I actually, like, first time I watched Halloween oh, 2, I was like... fuck, how did I miss that? Yeah, I know. It's uh, He's like, yeah. It's only because I've seen Halloween 2, which we're going to talk about. Yes. Again. Thank God. <laughs> oh, we're going to be talking about that again. But uh, that's probably because I've only seen that one more recently. But I, yeah, that isn't Carl Orange. Okay. Michael Myers is fucking dead! <laughs> how many installments of Friday the 13th are there? There, oh, shit. Well, what are my options? A9, B10, C12, D13. Okay, here's the thing. There are ten of the original series, but if you include uh, Freddy vs. Jason and the remake, there's twelve. So I'm going to say twelve. All right. Yes, you're correct, okay. Matt. Yes, you're safe. I figured as much. I wouldn't get too specific with that. Which horror legend survives in Freddy vs. Jason? A, Freddy, B, Jason, C, both, D, neither. Both. On correcto! No. No, on, I don't know. That was a horrible attempt at saying you are correct. Oh, okay. <laughs> to correct des, correct des, that's not okay. even correct. I was gonna say, fucking Freddy winks at the end of the no, movie. This, that, was my, that was my sad attempt at doing some sort of horrible Spanish accent. What was Leatherface's choice weapon? We were just talking about this. A chainsaw. Perfect. That's my horrible You're on fire. You're doing very well in this so far. I'm all right. I'm okay. In the Child's Play movies, what is the name of the boy that the killer repeatedly attempts to possess? Mm, what are my options? A, Andrew. B, Andy. C, Charles. D, Robert. Let's go with Andy. That sounds like a kid's name. Yes, it is. I, I got to think. Was Toy Story inspired by that then? That'd be fucking weird. But you never know. Here's the thing. Never seen a Child's Play movie. Never oh, seen a Oh, you movie. are a sinner. Only I think the first one. They don't really. Great. They don't really appeal to me. Like dolls never really creep me out or anything. So I don't know. Chucky's an exception. He's got a weird looking motherfucking face. That's true. Brad Dourif does do the voice of Chucky too, so that might be worth checking out. Brad Dourif's amazing. Yeah, he's the only thing that helps save. I'm Halloween curious to too. see some of the later ones where they're like funnier. Uh, Seed of Chucky. And was the one the child. Curse or whatever. Curse, Curse is the one that came out the most recently that mm. Brad Dourif isn't in. And then the, the Seed of Chucky came out in 04. You can get the box set of like all of them on DVD for pretty cheap, usually. So We got eight minutes left here. On the How many questions quiz. are we in? 17 of 31. Oh, fuck. What year was the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie released? 84. Correct. What? Which movie was originally a video game? A. Silent Hill. B. House of the Dead. C. Resident Evil. D. A. and C. Only. Or E. All of the above. All of the above. Correct. House of the Dead, directed by our good friend Uwe Boll, oh, and piggybacking piggybacking off of the last Movie Madness podcast, we discussion we had about horrible video game movies. I made a remark that Uwe Boll has probably made all of the most awful video game movies ever. We'll talk about Uwe Boll in a bit. We have to get through this quiz. Though. Sorry. I'm Which right. horror movie series is the longest? Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, or Child's Play? Friday the 13th. Correct. It's always Friday the 13th. 20. 
Which was what was the name that from the demon? Uh, what was the name that the demon from the Exorcist used to contact Regan? Pazuzu. A Captain Spaulding, B Captain Jack, C Captain. Oh Howdy. no, it's Captain. Wait, no, it's uh Captain Howdy. Okay. Captain Spaulding. We're gonna be talking <laughs> Captain about Captain Spaulding, Spaulding in a few minutes. Was uh, it's in Exorcist 2 that they give backstory and they call the demon Pazuzu. What was the first American horror film of the 20th century? A. Dracula, B. Frankenstein, C. Wolfman, D. Nosferatu. What, repeat the question. What was the first American horror film of the 20th century? Mm, I think Frankie. Because Nosferatu, yeah, Nosferatu is German. That's the oldest, but that's German. What zombie movie is this quote from? You are... Like a giant cock-blocking robot, like developed in a secret fucking government lab. A. Shaun of the Dead. B. Zombie Land. C. Evil Dead. D. Dawn of the Dead. I want to say Dawn of the Dead. Uh, assuming, well, mm, don't. Did you click it? No, I have not yet. Waiting for your. Do Shaun of the Dead. That sounds more like a Shaun of the Dead quote. Incorrect. It was Zombie Land. What? Oh, actually, that yeah. Yeah. Oh, he would be cock-blocking robot because of Jesse Eisenberg's desire to get in Emma Stone's pants. That's on. right. Yeah, I remember that now. Fuck, I really like that movie, too. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed in of In Child's myself. Play, what is Chucky's real name? Charles Lee Ray, Charles Lee Roy, Charles Chuckster Rayson, Charles Leroy. I think it's Charles Lee Ray, the first one. Correct. 23 of 31... 24, what is the second highest grossing horror film of all time? A, The Exorcist, B, The Ring, C, Interview with the Vampire, or D, Jaws? Probably The Exorcist. Incorrect, it is Jaws. Oh, wow. I wonder what the first, I wonder if the first highest grossing is The Exorcist, then. True. What was the name that Steven Spielberg gave to the mechanical shark in Jaws, and who was it named after? A, Bruce, lawyer. B, Bruce, brother. C, Greg, best friend, or D, Stephen, his father? I assume Bruce, lawyer. Yes, correct. Perfect. I knew it was Bruce. I didn't know it was named after his lawyer, though. How many Texas Chainsaw Mask movies are there? Okay. Uh, the first, the second, and Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw 3. The Next Generation with Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger. The remake... The beginning. Uh, the, the beginning, and then 3D, so 7. 7 is not an option. What's my second lowest Nine, number? 9546. Do 6, then. Maybe this came out before 3D was a thing. Yes. This okay. did come out. Must have come out, then. In the first Alien movie, how did Ripley kill the alien? Set on fire, she didn't kill it, blew it all up out of the airlock, or D blew it up? Blew it out of the airlock. Correct. Side note, just installed Alien Isolation. Super pumped to play that, finally. Who plays Freddy Krueger in the original Nightmare on Elm Street movie? Robert England. England or England? England. U-N-D. Good. I want to verify that for everybody. Uh, we got only two more left. Side note, interesting Phantom of the Opera remake, non-musical movie, starring Robert England as Phantom. Have you seen it? I have seen it. It's not very good, but it's interesting. But it's there. How long did it take the image? How long did it take to make the original Halloween movie? Twenty-one days, twenty-one nine days, two months, or three months? I want to say like twenty-one days. Is that your final answer? Sure. Correct. I knew it was short. Low budget. What short. is the clown's name in Devil's Rejects? Captain Spaulding. <laughs> 
Correcto. And our final question of this quiz. What is the name of the camp where Jason Voorhees drowns? Camp Crystal Lake. Finishing it off simple. Yeah, that was... that was Incorrect! Weird. I clicked the wrong one, but we're going to give that one to you anyway. <laughs> What'd you click? Camp Clear Lake. They looked very no. close. Camp Crystal Lake. So my answer is, you've got a 78 out of 100. I'm going to give you a 78 out of 100 because it says 77. Okay. I'll bump it up for you because that of that one was bullshit. I'll give solid. you an 80. Solid. So you get a B minus. Not bad. Yeah, I know I know a fair a bit. Like a, a, a de- decent amount. That was better than I expected. To be perfectly honest, because some of these questions I would have never guessed. In I years. know. Here's the thing: I know a lot about movies that I've also like not necessarily uh, horror movies specifically. I know a lot about horror movies I've not necessarily seen because I grew up in a very reserved household. So I, what I would do is, if there was a movie that I was either too scared to watch or like was intrigued by, I was just like read all the Wikipedia stuff and Google images and shit. So, like. I was, like, in sixth grade, and I knew everything about Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th without even seeing the movies. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, so, that wraps up the horror movie section. We're going to take one last quick break here, because that was a rather long segment. Uh, and we're going to jump into a conversation that Matt is very excited to talk about. And we've been waiting a long time for this. Is this our friend, Mizio Zombie? This is Mizio Zombie. <laughs> Right here on the Monsters Midnight Podcast, we'll be back in just a few. Stay tuned. And you're, we're back. Not you're back. You're also back if you're listening here uh, live. If you're Welcome listen- back. <laughs> if you're listening to the, the recorded version, then it's probably just going to be a quick break for you. But uh, we're right here on the Monsters Midnight Podcast. We were approaching 2 o'clock in the a.m. East Coast time. We're approaching 1 a.m. Central time. And I'm your host, Graham Zima, joined by Matt Schaefer. How you doing, Matt? Doing well. We still doing got, very well. You've got about an hour, almost an hour and 30 minutes left. We're about an hour and 20 minutes in. So we got still quite a bit to talk about in the next hour and a half or so. And I would be a criminal... If this wasn't our next topic and we didn't dedicate a good chunk of time <laughs> discussing something that for Matt and I is, is uh, we well, talk, it's important. It's, it's important and we talk probably too much about it. but A little too much. It's almost becoming a, the point where it's a sick obsession. But And that's not going to stop us. It's not. Fuck no. <laughs> of course not. Nothing could stop us in terms of our obsession with this, this fine gentleman, this fine specimen of a human being. Rob... Zombie. Roberto Zombie. Robert Cummings. That is his... And Matt Bur- is not Birth name, up. Robert Cummings. And I'm going to pull up his Wikipedia page. I know here. too much. And, and just learning in the past, like, two or three weeks, I know too much about Rob Zombie. <laughs> More than a normal human being should born know. Born in... Boston. Bo- Boston, 1965, January 12th. So we're coming up on his birthday in He's like 51. Months. He's older than he should be. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. I didn't know he was 51. Same age as my father. It's a nuts. Um, so we have a lot to talk about in terms of this motherfucker. Because he's a motherfucker. Whether you like him or not. He fucks mothers. That's <laughs> ill. He might. <laughs> you know, he very well might. Um, I can't speak for, for Sir we, Zombie. We cannot, we cannot attest that Rob's... 
does that. I will not speak for him. And if, if you are listening right now, Rob Zombie, your, or your lawyers, because you, you hawk to anybody who's mentioning you on the internet. Oh, my God. Uh... <laughs> I can't speak for your, your we personal go on a Facebook sex life. life and it's a fucking Rob Zombie pops up in the Oh in my the... goodness. Oh. What a day it would be. <laughs> it would life. definitely cause some some unneeded drama in that my life. That would make my existence, I would say. <laughs> That'd be crazy. Just absolutely fucking Just validate nuts. everything that I've done up to this point. We'll start with the early career of Rob Zombie. So, Matt, how much do you know, and how much can you give us a backstory on Robert? Too Cummings? much, and this is just like stuff that I've picked up on Wikipedia. I, to be real with you folks, I knew virtually none. I went from knowing virtually none of Rob Zombie's music to knowing about half to seventy-five percent of it, and that's include like that's just his solo career, not including White Zombie. Goodness. Uh, Rob Zombie was, uh, he, Rob Zombie grew up, he, he has a couple siblings, I'm not sure how many, but he grew up, his parents uh, were carnival workers. Which may or may not be an inspiration for one of his, his movies. Or his existence. Yeah, it's true. Uh, uh, as a child, very mo- very molded by horror movies. I think he was quoted saying he always wanted to be a combination of Steven Spielberg, Alice Cooper, and Bella Lugosi. He's all over the fucking map. Um, which, in a way, I think he's accomplished like one and a half of those on a good day. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert, it ain't Spielberg. <laughs> um, definitely not. Uh, he actually he went to school. I can't remember where, but he went to school for production design or some kind of uh, like <laughs> Jesus, some kind of film work, some kind of design. And one of his first gigs was actually doing production set design on Pee-wee's Playhouse, uh, the classic children's TV show. I want you to just put in perspective what we, what your preconceived notions about Rob Zombie is, and then place him in an environment like Pee-wee Herman's Playhouse. <laughs> this was this was Rob pre pre White Zombie though, pre like m- like music career though. But still, <laughs> still, because all I can imagine. Is Rob Zombie the now the what we have at the Rob Zombie now working on Pee Wee's Playhouse? It's just it's a sight to behold. It's almost a sight that I need to see in my life. But continue, Matthew Schaefer. So mid eighties, he starts a band called White Zombie. Um, There is actually a Bela Lugosi movie called White Zombie. Uh, Probably that's probably where the I would. Assume other than like his stage name, I would assume that's where the title derives from. Uh, uh, White Zombies, pretty cool, or I mean, like, and cool at the time. Like they're 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 a heavy metal band, heavy metal in the sense of like late eighties, early nineties. Not like Rob Zombie's music in general is not like as heavy as metal can be, especially in this day and age, but I'm getting ahead of myself. White Zombie's uh, pretty big uh, for the most part. They have they have a few hits. They have a handful of hits. But it's, I think, and for, like, it's just from the research I've done, it isn't until when Rob Zombie flies solo that shit explodes from. He releases uh, Hellbilly Deluxe, a parody of title of Brooks and Dunn's Hillbilly Deluxe, which is a uh, a country duo and their album. Uh, the albums are not related in any way except uh, in namesake. 
Hellbilly Deluxe explodes. It's got three massive hits right off the bat. Dragula, Living Dead Girl, Super Beast. Um, and he's just on a roll from there. He j- And he produces another album that has some more hits on it. Uh, he keeps, like, they're going platinum, maybe. Don't quote me on that. I would assume they're going platinum. They were big. Rob Zombie, late 90s Rob Zombie was big. I was I just watched The Matrix for the first time, and in that like club scene early on in the movie, they're playing a dance remix of Dragula. Rob Zombie was fucking big. The Psycho remake has a soundtrack album that has Living Dead Girl on it. He was big. Rob Zombie then, for some reason, decides he wants to make movies, which, like, obviously, being molded by horror movies as a child was probably something that his career was going to go go down at some point. So he uh, independently makes his first feature film. Well, uh, side note and prefacing that, he directed and like uh, produced and wrote most of his music videos for White Zombie and his solo career. So, and uh, Jesus, they're listening to me again. <laughs> so regardless of... And he definitely has a very unique visual style, very influenced by gothic horror, gothic and, like, gothic horror and 70s and 80s exploitation film trash. So he makes his first movie. Oh, God. This is really fucking me up. Yeah. (laughs) So um, he makes his first movie, House of a Thousand Corpses, uh, released, uh, makes a good amount of money, especially considering the budget and it's independently made. Not not critically well-received in any sense of the word, but he has a, a strong enough cult fan base that he can make another movie a few years later. Uh, and that movie's called The Devil's Rejects, which is the fan favorite horror movies, Rob Zombie fan's favorite Devil's Rejects, and also one of the few that I've not seen by him. Because obviously I'm holding that off for Shocktober. Spoiler alert. So... And between this, like, the movies, he's still making music. Uh, He puts out a live album, puts out an album called Educated Horses, which is a more laid-back, not really kind of experimental, more like uh, grungy kind of sounding album, less heavy. On it is a um, song called Lords of Salem, which will be important later on in his career. Dimension gets the rights to the Halloween franchise, or Dimension has the rights to the Halloween franchise, and they want to do a remake. Rob Zombie is approached to make this remake, and he does. He writes and directs it, and not only that, he makes a sequel. But in between, or no, yeah, he makes a sequel, then he makes Lords of Salem, and now we come full circle uh, to now. He's made. Uh, he's just released a new album in uh, 2016. Uh, I forget. It's got a stupid long name, uh, and all the tracks on that have stupid long names too. But he's produced a new album, and he just had a new movie come out this year that was kickstarted. 31. So that is Mr. Robert Zombie. Love him or hate him, he is definitely making a shit pile of money and doing what he wants to do in terms of music and movies. That's the history of him. History of him. Not now, necessarily... Now we're going to go in and... Uh, hello. Um, okay. Now we're going to go in and we're going to talk about 
each movie, we're going to break it down. Critically. Critically. And from an enjoyment, guilty pleasure, disgusting. Now, I should preface this by saying, Matt, and to all you listeners out there, the 30 million of you listening right now. <laughs> all of them. All and them they're in still... our living room. Yeah, right, right now. Yeah, they're in they... Graham's living room right now. Uh, they are. They are. Um, but I should preface this by saying we haven't seen – you and I combined have not seen all the movies. No. And we actually have seen – you've seen some that – I haven't seen, I've seen some that you haven't seen, so that should be noted. But we're going to talk about the ones that we have I've seen. I've seen one that you haven't seen, you have seen one that I have not seen. The yeah. rest we have seen. Except for, okay, we, we haven't seen 31 yet. So 31 isn't it, but we're going to be talking about the following films. We're going to be talking about... We'll start with How to Thousand Corpses, because I want you to get your perspective. I'll talk about Devil's Rejects. Might as well just go in order. And we'll talk. Yeah, we'll go, we'll go in order, and we'll we'll wrap it all up with uh, our our pre a, somewhat of a preview of uh, of thirty one. Thirty one. Perfect. The Malcolm McDowell impression is on. We are going to play thirty one. That was John Cleese. You're right. That was just John Cleese. <laughs> I think Matt. Ever since I told him that John Cleese sounds a bit like Malcolm McDowell, he's just starting to to <laughs> adapt just, John Cleese's voice. It is terrible. Double oh seven. Oh, that was awful. Too. Matt, we're gonna start with you. Give your brief thoughts. Um, you know, actually, you don't have to keep me brief. Give your thoughts on Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Dead Corpses. It's just corpses. Dead corpses is redundant. Oh, is it House of a Thousand House Corpses? House of a Thousand Corpses. Right, well, <laughs> give me a break. I'm just fucking with you. Um, no, uh, actually, I watched this movie a few days ago for the first time. Uh, for my birthday, our good friend Cecilia Ellsburn gave me a gift card to my favorite used video store. And she said the words, Matt, use this gift card to get... You better s- disclose what this place is called, Matt. Mega Media Exchange. You all fucking know what it is. But she she says the words to me. I'll never forget this. the circumstances. She says the, wor- says the words to me, gives me a $5 gift card. She says, Matt... Use this gift card to get something fucking inspiring. So I buy House of a Thousand Corpses because I have no respect for CC or gifts or life in general. To be fair, though, I enjoyed House of a Thousand Corpses. I expected to hate it, and I did not. I was pleasantly surprised. Granted, it is far from a perfect movie, but as a trashy throwback to Grindhouse, it, like, I could imagine, like, because, like, for, from what I understand, Rob, uh, Robert Rodriguez, Tarantino, and Rob Zombie are actually, they're not like tight, but they know each other. They're, they would, I think they would show up at the same parties and shit. And so House of a Thousand Corpses, I could imagine taking place in the same universe as Quentin Tarantino and Rob Rodriguez's Grindhouse movies. It's loud, ridiculous, gory. It's exactly what you expect from Robert Rodriguez, or not, not Rodriguez, Rob Zombie's first directorial and writing effort. Exactly what I expected. Um, the problems, I, well, I'll start with the problems before I go into what I liked. The problems I have with it. Sherry Moon should not be allowed to act, and that's going to be a fucking common theme, except with a few exceptions, that's going to be a common theme going throughout all this. She is obnoxious, grating, and annoying throughout this whole movie. I know that's part of her character in this, but just no. She's there purely because Rob is married to her, and this is the only movie that he's made with her that you actually see her naked, though, which I was took me by surprise. Um, the other problems I have with it, 
editing wise, it's a mess. It feels like it feels like clips from uh like scraps and pieces from a Rob Zombie music video from some from from in different points of the film. They jump from using like like DV cameras, giving like more like raw Blair Witch look to just like thirty five millimeter film. It's distracting, but I can't even like give an excuse for it. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work most of the time. I got used to it, but it just it, it does not work most of the time. The movie structurally, the movie is heavily heavily inspired by Texas Chainsaw, but it doesn't realize why Texas Chainsaw worked. Instead, it takes like the nuttiness of the family in Texas Chainsaw Massacre and kind of stretches that into the whole movie, which was like our friend Kyle Gustafson brought up. He took like the, the basically the dinner scene in Texas Chainsaw and made a whole movie out of it, which doesn't exactly work. It's like a little too over the top sometimes. Um. Uh, that's about, and other than just like overall uh, score, I I will say eventually I want an overall score. Overall score five. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I can do that. Um, we'll do that for each movie. Yeah. We'll break it down. Those, apart from, like, the basics of it, like, it's a little routine. It's pretty cliched. But apart from that, those are the negatives I have with it. What I did like, though, I did like, if you if you examine most of this movie as a pitch black comedy, it actually works a lot better than, like, a horror movie that's supposed to be taken seriously. Because I think Sid Haig as Captain Spaulding is fucking hilarious some of the time. Right. Rob right. Zombie is really trying to like captivate that weird, like, offbeat Tarantino yammering that like happens in From Dusk Till Dawn and Death Proof and stuff, but it's like still Rob Zombie weird and loud and obnoxious and I I kind of love it. The like the main the four like young adults that are writing the books, that the heroes, so to speak. They're they're a lot of fun. Rain Wilson, I think pre office. Don't quote me on that. Rain Wilson is a lot of fun in it. Looks kind of like what I would look like if I was alive in nineteen seventy seven. Um, the pacing of it, it's well paced. Uh, some of the grittier and more disgusting and like uh, graphic moments are actually genuinely unsettling. There's a, it's like it's like riding through a haunted house. There are some really genuinely like good like how it takes place on October 30th and 31st. So there there's that for you. It feels legitimately like a a haunted house like spooky thrill ride. And I really got into it. Uh I actually yeah, there's just I for what it was, it was it's not Shakespeare, not one of the best horror movies ever made by any sense. But for what it was, and for a Rob Zombie movie, I was pleasantly surprised, and I got into it. You know, effective, maybe maybe a slightly effective use of your gift uh, from CC. No, that's why I, I actually sent her. I'm like, well, definitely was not inspiring, but I enjoyed it. I would have to give it a three and a half out of five. All right. Well, you know what? There there are worse ratings in this world to give it. Um, no, right. I would say I would go as far as to say like three and a half. Three and a half movies I still consider pretty good. That's fair. All right, so now I'll talk about Devil's Rejects for a few seconds. And in order to properly assess Devil's Rejects, I need to also mention, hint at his other 
elements of his filmography. My biggest problem with Rob Zombie as a whole, while I respect his vision and I can tell that he's a appreciative appreciative of horror movies. You don't need MTV Cribs to prove that. You can just tell through his visual style he has inspiration from old horror films. My biggest problem at the end of the day is what you kind of hinted at is one big fucking music video. We saw this in Lords of Salem. Not to the extent that it could have been. Oh, yeah. But towards the end there, we definitely got a little bit of a music video vibe going. And I don't know, I think that's because of the fact that he, that's what his career was for a long time, making music videos for, um, for, well, himself and his band, basically. Yes, basically himself and his band, and, and, and I, did he do other ones by any chance? Not that I'm aware of. I feel like if, if he did, it would have had to have been, like, other metal groups, because I don't think, like, I couldn't see, like, Seal, like, wanting Rob Zombie to direct his new music video. All right. I don't know what's oh, going shit. on out there. Oh fuck! But it's uh, it's it's. Total, I don't know what's going on in here. Uh, but that's my biggest problem. So, and we're gonna end the Facebook Live broadcast here for a second. And that's why I said when I first watched House of a Thousand Corpses, that's why I said like I don't know how much you would like it personally. So okay, my biggest problem, like I said, was was the music video thing. Now I'm trying to recollect my thoughts here. But in Devil's Rejects, I think it is a proper example of, and one of his best examples of a coherent Rob Zombie film, or a, or a coherent movie. Um, it feels it paced like a movie. It's not paced in a weird, choppy music video way, which I think it's actually probably, I don't know if he had a different editor for the different films that he had, whether that varied from Halloween, Devil's Rejects. I know he's notorious for working for some of the same people in terms of acting. I don't know if it's the same for the crew. Um, but there was a, there was a really bizarre unique um editing style and by unique i mean it was it was it was coherent and it wasn't choppy <laughs> it, was it was good it, it wasn't a mess and that and that sounds like it should be a, a simple thing and if you're making a hollywood film you should have a pretty you know for the most part most films i would say are decently edited if you have a coherent editor but for rob zombie that seems to be a challenge um what do I like about this film? So, so editing, that's the big thing that stands out. This, this movie is, is a coherent piece and it, in, in terms of technical. I, I, guess I, should, I, should, I should preface that by saying I'm talking technically. It's probably his best film. It's, it's probably shot the best. With the exception, I think Lords of Salem, we'll talk about Lords of Salem. That cinematography is probably the most standout of his career. But, um, oh, yeah. But, but um, it's shot well um, it, and, it, and it's paced well. And it, it keeps you engaged. Standouts of the film, William Forsythe gives one of my favorite horror film uh, performances of all time as the, 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 the crazed, I think he's a, I haven't seen it in about two years, but he's crazed he's sheriff. A sheriff, yeah. sheriff. Excellent, over the top, exactly what you need. You know, a lot of Rob Zombie's characters are criticizing for being over the top, and that's because of the certain context that they're in. But in this movie, it works perfectly. The context that we're, we're, we're immersed in, his over-the-top behavior is is perfect, and it works very efficiently. Um, Stan, Stan, I mean, Sid Haig as Captain Spaulding is a beautiful casting move. <laughs> He's written perfectly, and, and Sid Haig embodies that character in, in such a really crazy, fun way. Um, the writing, look, and, and I will say this across the board for all Rob Zombie, the writing is what it is. You, 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 you get what you get. You're not going to get 
Aaron Sorkin, you're not going to even get remotely in that that kind of area of 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 of, of, of screenwriting uh, heroism or whatever. But you're going to get what you it's get. It's almost like it's like he has these really specific and offbeat imaginary friends, and he's writing these movies about them. <laughs> that's a very good way of putting it, and that's uh, a very that's a very good way of putting. It. I like that a lot, um, but. So yes, the the writing is what it is. It's probably his least white trash movie, but still very white trash at the same time. <laughs> so take that for what it what you will. House of a Thousand Corpses is pretty damn white trash. But this one is is toned down a bit, but you still get your white trash. My whole thing is I think he was making a Robert Rodriguez movie. Devil's Rejects is a Robert Rodriguez movie. It is a from dusk till dawn homage in a weird way. You know, from Nestle Donnelly, it come out about ten years earlier. Right. It it has a Robert Rodriguez feel to it, um, almost a Quentin Tarantino feel to it. In a lot say of ways. he's definitely inspired. I think whether he like w- will admit it or not, I think he is inspired by those two. I was noticing it in House of Thousand Corpses too. Very, very much inspired, um, and really taken to the max of Devil's Rejects. Even just this basic scenery of the film looks like it was from From Dust Till Dawn. Uh, oh, the yeah, use of the desert. Like the, the desert, yeah. All that really highlighted. Uh, they even had the whole motel scene from, a spoiler, they have a, almost, a, almost a replica hotel scene in Devil's Rejects that happened from dusk till dawn. See, that's like the whole opening uh, pre-credits scene of... Uh pre-opening credit scene of House of Thousand Corpses is uh, Kevin Spaulding talking with some guy and two guys break into his shop and that just reminded me immediately of the opening of From Dusk Till Dawn when uh, George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino uh, stick up the liquor store. I'll say From Dusk Till Dawn seems like a movie that Rob Zombie would definitely be into. So oh, f- fuck not, yeah. Not very shocking. <laughs> um, what else to say about Devil's Rejects? I really enjoy this film. It's a hell of a good time. It's 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 not a very complex plot whatsoever. We got a bunch of crazy fucks, uh, and they're being hunted by William Forsyth, and and they're committing crimes along the way. There's not much to it, um, but it's still it's a very entertaining film. Uh, if you have time to watch it during the Halloween season, that's gonna be checking it out during October. Absolutely, it's gonna be great, and you're gonna have a fun time. Uh, Rob Zombie isn't everybody's jive, and I get that, but um. I think if you're looking for a good Rob Zombie movie or a coherent one, you you stick with Devil's Rejects. From what I from what I've heard from you and from what I've heard from other like sources is that Rob Zombie Devil's Rejects is like like the closest to mainstream that Rob Zombie will oh, get. Oh, for sure. And you'll you'll notice that for the moment that movie Other opens than like up. the Halloween remake, I guess, True. because that was a remake, but True. Which we're going to be getting into in just a few seconds. So overall, out of five, I'm going to give it a four out of five. I Sorry. really like Devil's Rejects. And um, four out of five in a sense of a horror movie. Right. So so, so that's pretty good. Um, yeah, that's I'm a tough good. grader when it comes to horror films. I'll be honest with you. I watch a lot of horror films, and uh, I said the majority of my movie-going experience is horror films. That's why I got into movies in the first place. Yeah. But... That that being said, I'm also a very tough grader at the same time, and that's not to make myself sound better than anybody else. I just I I've always you getting me scared when you do it. Hell, I mean I'll I'll I will bow to you, but if you don't, I'm gonna point out why not. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. You know, it's one of the things. It's one of the things we'll talk about this numerous times throughout this podcast, um, throughout the entire duration. You know, 
being scared is one of those things when it is it, it, that stands out because it is it's for me it's very hard to get under my skin and there's yeah. movies out there that have and there are movies out there that have failed in every possible way of doing so so eat your variety but that's um that is Devil's Rejects I will say this um while a, a, a horror movie can fail at being scary it still has the opportunity to deliver a compelling story and yes, interesting for sure. characters. And I'm not going to say Devil's Reject is very scary. I'm going to say it's entertaining. Well, that's another thing I should bring up. Horror movies can also have a very tough time entertaining me. If, if you're not scary and you don't have a good story, then you're really out of yeah. luck. Which is, like, which is like to say like if a comedy isn't funny, then you're kind of fucked, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, there. Um, there's fun movies. Like I wouldn't say, for example, I don't even seen Animal House. Animal House isn't like... Blow me away, funny. It's just right. fun. That's fair. Um, yeah, that's fair. I guess I don't know. It's, just, it's harder. It's definitely harder, and I, I see what you mean for sure. But because um, that was something like I remember John Carpenter said that like everyone has a blast working on horror movies, but like working on comedies are a nightmare because like everyone's stressed out to make it work. Basically, yeah. comedy's tough, man. Let's start a comedy show. That's what I should do. Yeah, that sounds good. Now we gotta move into. <sighs> Oh my goodness. Again, I keep bumping the same thing right here. But I can't see it. Maybe we have to pick it up from your end. Is there a way that we're picking this up here? We've caused all out war. I don't know, I'm breaking the radiator. Oh. That was. Can you at least get it workable? It's. Oh, it was working. It's good. I think it's good. Well, it just fell off on my end. Jesus. We'll get that during our, our final break. I know I said we we're going to take only two, but we're going to take a third one after the Rob Zombie discussion because we have a whole out, another hour. Before we go into Halloween, uh, something that you like hinted at, I think we both want to like Rob Zombie as a filmmaker more than we actually do because of his like knowledge of horror and yeah. his vision. I have a lot of respect for Rob Zombie as a, as a movie goer. I think that he, he likes many of the same movies that I do, but um, in terms of his filmography... That's a, different, that's a whole different story. It's because he's not a subtle writer. His, his As we is, will point out now with Halloween. Uh, oh, Christ, man. Oh. Let me preface this by saying, if you're going to jump on the whole, well, Halloween isn't as bad as the Halloween 2 of 2009. We're going to say right off the bat that we agree with you. Totally. But we're still going to shred both the pieces. We're going to take... I'm going to... I'm going to... Yeah, no, I'm going to I think we're going to... No, Matt, you, you cannot go against this. We were here. We are here to take down these two. One worse than the other. But yeah. run, nonetheless, I am going to... Well, then let me preface this. As much as I shred apart Rob Zombie's Halloween, I can still groove with it as a, as a very, very guilty pleasure. Very, very... It's entertaining, but as a movie. Well, let's just, let's just point this out here for a second. Let's start off with... Halloween 2007, the movie that nobody really asked for, but we got it anyway, which seems yeah. to be a case with a lot of horror remakes. Remakes in general, basically. It's like the yeah. case of, like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And Halloween 2007 is one of those examples of something that has promise and potential on paper, but whether through Rob Zombie or through the studio or whoever else, Something, some things just don't work when presented on film. Then, yes, for sure, for sure. 
Let's start off with the glaring issue of Halloween. And that is everything. <laughs> I was going to say, no, what, I, what is it? <laughs> it's writing. It's the writing. It's the writing. The writing is horrible. It's it's laughably bad at po- certain points. And we're not just talking dialogue. We're talking about a construction. First of all, his biggest issue when he was writing this thing is he didn't sit down and think to himself, maybe I shouldn't split this thing into two completely different movies. And like when we, when we rewatched it, I said this would flow so much better if they had if if this was his vision, and the studio was fine with this, they should have either made it solely about Michael's origin, or split it into two parts that they still really and wanted I think that what remake. I've heard is I think that he actually that was his original intent, and I think for some reason I thought I read the studio egged him on to make it one feature. And that make that makes sense. And that makes sense because I see when I watch that opening part of that film, I see him setting up an entire movie around young Michael, but not being able to do it because he's got to get skip ahead. Yeah, and because like, like I said, there's definitely potential, or I mean, not potential for a great film, but potential for something a different kind of than remake. Yeah, um, more than what it is. So, because like even if you listen to the, we were listening to the commentary with him. He said he even admits once it gets to like the remake, he's he- he's just basically heavily borrowing from the John Carpenter yeah, version. And, and I think yeah, he it's it's almost you almost can't dispute that at all. Um. Anyway, so writing is is horrible. It's it's it's, it's constructed terribly. It's not it doesn't seem like it's thought through whatsoever. It's it it seems like. The first draft was perfect, and they started. To, they flew with it. Um, or yeah, it's paced all the fuck. Everything once like, and we'll talk about editing too because that's also one of the biggest problems. Because once like you get to the, once you get to like the the halfway mark, or even like a little far, a little beyond the halfway mark, when you finally actually introduce Lori and her friends, and it's present day Halloween. They have to rush through everything. They just like paraphrase the John Carpenter original because the majority of the film is dedicated to Michael's story. So, yeah, def- definitely. Um, so, right again, yeah, dialogue. Something that should be addressed. I, as fucked and we as, were talking about as this. fucked as the dialogue is, I still love it. <laughs> I, as fucked it is, but I, Matt, we can't just be the facts. No, it's not good. It's not well written dialogue it's, it's, in any it's, sense it's, of the it's way. It's almost to the point where it's it's kind of like a whole fun little game that you can play while watching the movie, right? Um, with how bad it is, no, it's just like and the sheer it's kind of drink every time you hear something completely utterly white trash. Or yeah, it's like some just some of the most disgusting like. Just some of the most disgusting things imaginable that come out of people's mouths, and it's just the amount of times we've quoted this is unreal. Because like, and we shouldn't be quoting it because it's bad dialogue, but it's so memorably. It's not like horrible. It's pretty bad, but it's not horrible. It's not like the room standard. Like everyone quotes it because it's like it's mind-blowingly stupid. This is just like weird and bad. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's quite awful. Um, and we were talking about this in, in Devil's Rejects context. It works because it's it's, it's the environment that you establish as in. These are you know there's white trash characters and it, it works. But it's the problem with Halloween is, is you've established 
Now I understand I'm all for doing new things, but there's a there's a point when you have an original content with the with the original John Carpenter Halloween. First of all, Illinois isn't that white trash. No, it, it was suburb, very suburban America. The Myers, from the brief, the brief knowledge we have of the Myers, and even through like the tidbits you pick up through the rest of the series, they're just like working class, regular, normal suburban family with, and something incredibly abnormal happened to them. Yep, I don't get it. Um, that that whole idea, but I think that Rob Zombie—that's just the world he lived in, and that's. And part of the problem is is when he is he's trying to justify something that n- never needed justification. Like in the original Halloween, I was totally okay with he's just a force of nature that is pure evil. In this, he's he's turning him into a realistic sort of a realistic real life psychopath that came from a shitty environment and a broken household. Which isn't interesting at all. We've seen it a million times. Mm-hmm. Um, what else here to talk about? Okay. So we have the writing out of the way. It's just, it's awful. It's worse than the sequels, we'll find out. What is your favorite quote from Rob Zombie's Halloween? <sighs> Bitch, I will crawl over there and skull fuck the shit out of you. That's well, a, that's a really good one. <laughs> or, uh, or, uh. I'm Joe Grizzly, bitch. <laughs> Which I, there's so many. I was good to you, Mikey. <laughs> that's always perfect. Uh, that's just tragic as fuck, but Danny Dreho does not deserve to die. I think my, my favorite is good old Daryl Severo saying, you think she'd suck my dick for a quarter and let me suck her tits? Just horrible. <laughs> It'll ruin your spy kid's childhood memory. It's You'll never just... look at it the same way again. And then like you watch a commentary, Rob's just like, oh, this is how kids talk. It's like, well, yeah, but like it's still gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's, shedding still light... Ju- it's still Junie from Spy Kids, yeah, you bastard. This doesn't, doesn't mean that just because you're shedding light on reality doesn't make it good, Rob. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Anyway. So... Where else was he going? Okay, we got the writing out of the way. Oh, no, okay, another problem I have with the writing is like he's trying to justify like Lori and her friends as being more modern teenagers, but they're infinitely annoying and ditzy and just like so just airheadish that it's like unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And he's talking about he talks about in the commentary that it wouldn't be realistic for Lori to be so uptight and prudish in like today's world, but. It's like there's a way to do that and be like like have an interesting like lovable character, not just like immediately tip the scale and like all right, she's just like she's just like vulgar and gross like everyone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 that's horrible. Um, directing wise, it's kind of where the movie. I think what the, the real problem in the movie in terms of the directing would be, actually more be on the editor. I should say. I think the editing is where the, the, the pacing issues. I don't think it's a matter of directing. It's a writing and editing issue. Yeah. The, the directing, like like we always say, he has a vision and he's selling it for yeah. better or worse, whether it, you like you it or not. You can tell he has an intent with the film, yeah. whether it's good or bad. Um, so I don't have much to say about the directing. It's fine. Because like, whether, like, even though the dialogue is stupid and the characters don't always work, they're competently portrayed. There isn't, and like even Sherry Moon is like tolerable. There isn't really a person in this movie that I'm like, yeah, they can fuck off. They're not good. I, not that I can think of. No, not really. That's a good point. Um, yeah, so directing isn't something I, I should say. Cinematography wise, 
Handheld the entire movie. Almost. A lot of handheld. I, I, mean, I think you could count on two fingers the amount of time it's put on a tripod. Or no, that. yeah. And I was just pointing that out. I didn't realize it until we watched it last time. Because everyone, mainly because I don't own a fucking tripod, but everyone gives me shit for shooting handheld. And I was just all of a sudden noticing that the whole movie is just rickety and handheld. And, and in places that it doesn't need to be handheld. Yeah, and it's just like one of those things you can make work. I, I'm all for gritty and realism, but when there's just, like, Michael and his mother having a conversation and the fucking thing's, like, wobbling like there's an earthquake going on, there's no use to it. It doesn't add anything. No, not, one, not at all. And I, I, totally, I totally understand where you're coming from with that. Um, yeah, cinematography, I mean, lighting-wise, it's fine. It, it, it's, it's, it's just, like, fine detail there. Um, you know, not much. Yeah, to it's say about lit, that. lit well. It's lit well. There's nothing. There's not really anything in that sense. I think of, like production, production design, including lighting and stuff like that. It looks and feels like Halloween. Yeah. No, it does. Um, the editing is where my problems come in here. And, and I, I honestly, I don't have as big of a problem with the editing. I, although I see where you're coming from, it doesn't bother me as much as it does you. It's really weirdly paced in certain areas that doesn't. And and I think as an overall movie, it's paced terribly. Well, yeah, no, I agree. It's it's a movie that could have been shaved off some bits. I definitely Um, agree. So, I I will say, um, that's really adding. I I mean, in terms of certain certain cuts, don't work here or there that I noticed when we were watching it. Like it's just oddly, there's some odd cuts that he puts in there. I don't know if they, they were intentional or if that's what he had to work with. And weird cutaways and B roll. Weird cutaways and B roll. Um. Some some oddly paced scenes that just go on forever. The fucking uh, the the scene where he kills his sister. Oh or yeah, just that brutally was, that paced. Was weird. Doesn't make any sense. Could have all ended in the bedroom. We send it out to the hallway just yeah, to be gross. Just, he was yeah, because he's like all about he's all about like the gritty realism and just like taking all the subtlety and like magic of the original Halloween out of it and just like make just going straight for the temple with blunt force fucking drama. Yeah, it's it's really odd and doesn't it doesn't work at all. Um what else here to say about this? Um but overall, my biggest problem at the end of the day with this film all the technical stuff aside, the biggest problem of the day is it it was supposed to be two movies. Yeah. And the, all that aside, like, if you had split it into two films, I think my enjoyment would have skyrocketed above uh, what it was. Because I really get into the first half. I actually kind of like it going back. I, I like, do, yeah. I was like, okay, yeah. It kinda I like it more than when it like, becomes an actual remake. It shreds, yeah, okay, put all that stuff aside. It shreds the whole mystery about Michael, but it's his own thing. He's going for it. Yeah. That doesn't bother me nearly as much as it, as it used to. Um, I've just grown past it, and I say, look, if I don't want to have an explanation, I just watch John Carpenter. That's not, true. It's not the same universe. No, that's very true. I think it's just my problem is, like, when you spend, like, the first hour and, like, 20 minutes or whatever it is with the person you're supposed to be afraid of, you become less afraid of him because you've seen him since literally, uh, like, childhood. Yeah. I don't know if he was trying to make some sort of weird biopic homage to. <laughs> maybe that's what he's doing. Is Michael Myers real? Answer right now on our chat board. Um, so, but if you split it in two movies, I probably wouldn't have felt... 
it's it's once we get through that whole interview section when he's a young kid with Mal uh, with Malcolm McDowell, we we jump to when he's older, where the movie really takes us really dip downhill. Not not even counting the fact that it's just a almost beat for beat remake of the right, original yeah. with really not much added to it. It just it sends me down this weird like this doesn't even feel like the same movie. Like I know it's the same movie. We have. No, Malcolm yeah, McDowell it, in it, and it's, it's like two. It's two it's different like, movies. When we when we kick off when he's older, I feel like I'm being sent into another movie. Yeah, like someone took two movies and they spliced them together perfectly. It's weird. It's it's, it's a really weird phenomenon. It is really weird seeing how like yeah you you've established everyone from his childhood, and then they're either they're all like either dead or just like not important anymore. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Um. Should talk about the saving grace of this movie, though. Fucking Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell's pretty good in it. He's pretty great. I think you actually. like. I think you like him more than I probably I, do. I well, I love Malcolm McDowell in general, and I he he's just one of those people that always sells what he is like acting, and it's, it's really hard for me. But a lot of the time, I actually do prefer him to Donald Pleasance. Really, I which is controversial. I know. And probably just has. I think he's more engaging. I will admit, give you that, but I still I think, think it's just because I don't know. I just I find Malcolm McDowell as a whole a far more interesting actor to watch because like Donald Pleasance is a great actor, but even in like other movies that he's in, like the Halloween sequels, You Only Live Twice, Escape from New York, he's always just himself. Only he's wearing a new costume and new makeup and stuff. He's yeah. just still Donald Pleasance. I suppose you could make the same argument for Malcolm McDowell, but at the end of the day, I find him more engaging and more interesting. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to, is the engagement part. I, um, so at the end of the day, this movie, I'm going to give it a 2 out of, 2.5 out of 5. Okay. Because there is redeeming moments, and the first half really, it, it sets me in. And I'm like, alright, I think this is a lot of problems with it, but I'm still entertained, I'm still with it. It falls apart in the second half, and it's just it's horrible. I, I think it, rewatching it again, I didn't realize how bad it was until I got to that second half. I'm like, wow, this is just hard to get through at points because it's just you hate everybody that's in it except for Brad Dorif and Malcolm McDowell. None yeah. of the people we're supposed to be sympathizing with, I give a shit about. I do still like, even though she's like not Laurie. No. I, I still, I still, that's that's just me. Yeah, I think she's. That's, she's dreadful. I can't, I, I, that three, those three girls. I actually think Annie's the most sympathetic one. Um, she's got that really cringe. So I lines. can't. I can't fucking stand Annie. Really? Uh, yeah. I I can't really stand either Annie or and Linda is just kind of there. Linda's the worst. Um, like and Linda was the one that's like kind of grating in the original. Linda is just and Linda didn't like. She wasn't like awful, but she wasn't. She was just kind of there. Annie just for some reason. Annie was just like. Noxious and just like sarcastic in a in a nasty like mean spirited kind of way and like even though Lori is like different and stuff I still find her like enjoyable I guess I don't know I mean you do sympathize with my moments but I overall it's just I, there's something about it, it just never clicked with me that's fair how about you Matt what is your rating I'm gonna be a little more fair I'm giving it a three out of five because. I don't think it like it definitely loses a lot of steam, but I don't think it it quite crashes and burns in the second half. I think the whole climax, even though like it could have ended a lot sooner, I think the whole climax is paced well and is 
pretty intense for the most part and enjoyable. And like we said, so we do like what the opening of the movie, the first better portion of the movie has to offer. So I think I enjoy it. Like it's still like not a good movie, guilty pleasure, but I enjoy it more than you. It sounds like all right. So yeah, three out of five. Fair. I know you're not gonna enjoy this new one. No, this <sighs> next one. The I mean, next two are. I probably be kind of, like this one better than you. The next two are going to be rough to get through. <laughs> uh, Halloween Two was the sequel and follow up to the 2007 remake. It almost seems as if Rob didn't really put his heart into this one at all. Uh, I mean, you thought his writing was bad in Halloween One. You're about to, which go is down weird because really... we were listening to that commentary and he's like, he's like. Like glad that he had like more freedom and stuff. He's more enthusiastic, it sounds on that. Yeah, um, I don't know what that whole situation is. I don't know whether or not he would say today because Halloween, Halloween Two is better than because Halloween. Halloween Two is definitely more Rob Zombie than Halloween One. Ooh, I would say that's very but, like, true. In, but like in a bad way. Um, we're gonna go through this a little more quickly than the other one. Halloween Two, its biggest problem today is simply writing. There's nothing more to it. It's it's just terrible. It's the the writing is what kills this movie. You could you could direct this thing to perfection if you wanted to, but the script is just a mess. It's 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 so all over the place and doesn't make any fucking sense at points. Um, like I said though, I mean cinematography is fine at points. Um, it's good. well he does a good job always capturing the the Halloween feel. You get, you get that atmosphere. It was like the dreams dream sequences and the party sequences in the movie. It still, does still feel like Halloween. Um, but at the end of the day, all that aside, I will say though, actually, no, I disagree. Better portion of the movie though, everything is, which I've talked about in previous podcasts is so gray and dull and desaturized, but as like a technically it's still fine. It's still fine. It looks, you know, no, you're right. Um, but yeah, that bleakness definitely did. That didn't get to me nearly as much as it does you, but I definitely see where you're coming from. Mainly because just like for like the first one had such an interesting, like it was, it was, I don't it was know. More colorful. It was more colorful. Yeah, and it's just it felt like autumn. This one, like they shot it in February in Alabama. Yeah, Alabama. Atlanta. Atlanta. Excuse me. And everything just looks dead. It was just like post, like like post Thanksgiving, dead. Yeah. It is. It's one of those things. I do notice where you're coming from. Like I said, it didn't bother me nearly as much. I get past it, but I I see what you mean. Um. But writing, right? Yeah, writing at the end of the day, horrible awful um i still don't a dozen characters that you could cut from the movie all the characters from the previous films are are changed by the events of the first one and are Malcolm just McDowell becomes unbelievably an asshole so does lori yeah they're both just it to an extent where it doesn't work whatsoever this, i sympathize with annie far more in this oh one yeah because she has to deal with lori's shit the whole time yeah. Only character I can ever get behind that movie is Annie and Sheriff Brackett. They're the Sheriff only Brad, Brad Dourif, yeah. Brad Dourif is the same as this movie. If he wasn't in this movie, it'd be intolerable. And even though like Loomis is written awfully, I still think Malcolm McDowell sells it for all it's worth. Yeah, it is. At the end, I think he actually genuinely becomes decent. And he's like, "Wow, well, I'm a kind of being a pretentious douche." And then he gets fucking axed. Spoiler yeah. alert! But... Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, though, that's your fault. Um, we don't have to. If you, see if you haven't seen the movie, good. Just keep it that way. But <laughs> I've seen it five times, folks. I've seen it one and a half, and I just, I still can't. I just I can't do it. I can't even. I can't do it as a guilty pleasure. 
which is, for better or worse, I can usually do with Rob Zombie's music and his, like, movies. Um, no, yeah. At the end of the day, I'm going to give this one a one and a half out of five. A half star, thanks to Annie and Bracket, and um, some interesting kills here or there. Whether they're they're a little grotesque, but I can say that they're like, oh, that was kind of cool. He beat the fuck out of that person. Um, there's moments here or there, but uh, overall, pretty pretty awful. Not something anyone needs to see. Matt, how about you? One. All right. I just. It is pretty bad. It's. God, it's just it's mean and ugly and and makes no fucking sense and convoluted and dense and just it's gross. It's fucking yeah, it's gross. It fucking sucks. It's just like I can't think of I can't even like it makes me so angry on like a fan of even like for better or worse a fan of the Halloween franchise. It makes me so angry on so many levels. Not as angry as Resurrection, but we'll save that for oh, another day. Oh, God. Okay, yeah. We'll you're move right. into the last, uh, <laughs> the last uh, Rob Zombie movie that we want to talk about, which is Lords of Salem. And then no, we'll take, I like this one more than you do, but I still don't like, we'll take a like quick, it. And we'll take a quick break after this one, but we do want to wrap up our Rob Zombie conversation with Lords of Salem 2012. Definitely his homage to Kubrick. Very much. Um, and almost to the point to where it's like you could point out numerous times, wow, that's a Kubrick shot. I think we did. Just like every time oh, there yeah. was a long tracking shot in the hallway, it's like Have that's door. The Shining, that's a Clockwork Orange. Uh, a little bit of Nicholas uh, Refren. When, when, yeah, some winding some Refren. Lighting. Yeah, the lighting and stuff. It's definitely like... I feel I just I feel like he was it was like Kubrick for him though Refn just might have slipped in there because oh Refn I'm sorry I fucked that no it's all good it's, but like he probably just like slipped in there because of the time and like just when like because that came out in like 2013 Drive came out in like 2011 I think yeah. Only God Forgives came out the same year actually yeah, so that's so. probably just it's not near yeah but still like nonetheless I think you, you could compare the two in lighting yeah style. but like even though it is just like he's ripping off Kubrick I think the cinematography is pretty solid it's in pretty it. solid and it's got some pretty it's got some pretty unique visuals and, and unique memorable visuals, visuals that are a victim of a very shallow poor story. writing yeah well, and a, then that seems to be the common thing we keep coming back to with rob zombie and that's the reason i think we don't we we've talked about this earlier we don't appreciate him all the way as a filmmaker because he he, he definitely he can't back up his vision with <laughs> Well, really, anything he style is. I don't want to say style over substance because his style isn't even that unique to him uh, as a filmmaker. We've seen gritty and like weird horror movies yeah, before. He's, he's so inspired, it's like but a Tarantino. He just, whatever his style is, he can't back it up with his substance. I guess definitely. I yeah. It it, it to me it did nothing for me. I sat there saying this is boring me to hell. Um, I I wasn't. Quite as for some reason, but I am a sucker for Kubrick and Refn, which is, can, is I love Kubrick, but but um, Kubrick, I know there's more going on there. Maybe if like if I rewatched it, I probably would get very bored of it. Like I think just because it's the first time watched, so you're kind of waiting. First for time, yeah, I was kind, of, I was I was kind of hooked. I in all honesty, I was intrigued by the story. And was interested to see if it had a decent payoff, and it never really happened. That's another really bad 
bad, glaring issue about this film is it's, it, the payoff is. Oh, I, it feels, I, mean, I can tell you what the payoff was. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. It's 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 supposed to be super deep and dramatic, which I is think, my problem. Yeah. I, this is the I think problem. It's because symbolism. I hate when filmmakers have symbolism in their movie, but it's not like it's not vague enough to keep you guessing, but it's not like obvious enough so you like know what it means. The thing is, and that's another problem that I should point out. This doesn't feel like a Rob Zombie movie at all, and I can tell that he's like trying to be someone else. Is he, I, mean, I think he's just trying to do well after because he apparently had such bad experiences making Halloween movies that maybe this was just him trying to like start a fresh slate or something. True. I just oh, doesn't man. make it doesn't make it good. Yeah, not, I think that not, it's but, it's it feel it's the least Rob Zombie movie he's ever made. No, it's definitely. Yeah, it's like it's weird when you're like disappointed, like man, I want like weird yeah, Rob Zombie it, bullshit. The, but oddly enough, it's like, it, but that's the thing. My problem is just not entertaining because some of these are entertaining because they're Rob Zombie films, and you get those Rob Zombie characters. You get some Rob Zombie characters in this one, obviously, but yeah. uh, definitely heightened or, or, or not heightened, lowered down. Um, so I'm gonna give this one a two and a half out of five. Really don't enjoy it. Mostly because I'm just bored out of my mind. I can I can get into the visuals here or there, but but that's not enough to keep me engaged. Um, you gotta you gotta have some some baseline story to it to to, to keep me hooked. Matt, I know you're probably gonna give it a little higher, but no, actually two and a half is what I I stick with because like I stand by the fact like there were actually there were a few genuinely there a few genuinely good visuals in the movie that actually kind of startled me and were kind of like actually like made me intrigued into what he was but again you got fucking sherry moon as your fucking main character and she can't act to save her fucking life oh my god brutal 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 and it's not even like the fact that she like was bad she's just boring and doesn't know how to deliver fucking lines ever um but yeah there were a few visuals and a few elements of the story that was like okay you've really got me kind of intrigued Please let this build to something, and it never does. Never does. It no. feels like, and like, the ending is such a clusterfuck of, ask me what it means, ask me what it means, I'm deep, I can make deep movies too. And then he just goes and makes another fucking heavy metal album, and it's like, no, Rob, no, nope. you can't, but that's okay. We love you anyway. <laughs> you love him. Two and a half out of five. Let's give, um, we're not actually not, I was going to do a preview of 31, but what else is there to say? We're both hyped to see I'm it. I, I'm honestly It looks like he's getting 31. back to his roots. And this is like, on Rotten Tomatoes, this is, has his highest critical approval which out of all of his juice. movies. Gets his juice. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm I mean, pumped. 61 isn't high, but it's his highest out of his It's good for Rob Zombie. It's good for Rob Zombie. Let's give an overall rating of his filmography, um, A to F. So, a to F. So let's say we're, we're he Rob Zombie's school of film, or we're in school and we're grading Rob Zombie's film. Like, that's okay. a better way to put it. So I, I like House of Thousand Corpses. Mm-hmm. You like Devil's Rejects. We tolerate Halloween. Yeah, and then we, we don't like Halloween two, two, and we don't like Lords of Salem. Salem. I'm gonna give him as a filmmaker. I'm gonna give him a C plus. As a filmmaker, as a whole, yes, and his filmography. Yeah, that's C about plus. what I was because like, he has moments of shining. He's got shining moments. Uh, yeah, as like a director, I would give him a B, but as like a storyteller, I would give him like a C minus. So I think like, yeah, storyteller would be C minus. So like sure. B minus C plus somewhere in there for me too. All right, that's great. I mean, that's good enough for him. Huh? 
I think he'd be satisfied with it. <laughs> he's been shredded by the uh, the critics before. So I think and you know he's dangerous. got his he's got his dedicated. He's got a fan. Base. He's got a massive fan base. He doesn't care. He's making them for the fans. His like loyal Definitely. Rob Zombie heavy metal fans. All right, more well, power to him. That is Rob Zombie. That is Rob Zombie. We're gonna be right back here, at Monsters of Midnight. We got about forty minutes left. Stay tuned. And we're back right here on Monsters at Midnight. We have 39 minutes left. And we're going to be talking about some true crime stuff. And we're also going to be talking about Halloween candy that is absolutely terrible and that you should never be giving out to children. Spoiler alert, you probably know what my answer is going to be because it's a very common answer. (laughs) Yes, it is a common answer. But there's also some other ones that I think are just absolutely horrendous. And I wish I had them here just so I could burn them. (laughs) Because they're just some intolerable ones. We're going to talk about a a few serial killers throughout this entire month of October because horror movies may be terrifying, but there's also nothing more terrifying than the actual act of killing someone. Um, it's fucked up, and there's some fucked up stories, and I'm sure we're going to miss plenty of them. But we're going to get to as many as we possibly can. And if you have a suggestion that you would like us to talk about, on this podcast, send it to ZemanPodcasting at gmail.com. And I will. I am almost 100% sure that nobody will. But if you do, <laughs> be more than happy to talk about it. Just got to do my homework. Just gotta, you got to do your homework. So there's plenty of, 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 like I said, there's plenty of to choose from. But I've chosen to narrow it down to a few that we're going to talk about tonight. The first one being a little known man. By the name of Charles Manson. Bum, bum, bum. Who is this Charles Manson, sir? One of the most iconic serial killers of all time. Oh, no shit. Really? I Never I, heard of him. What I want to talk about in specific, specifically with Charles Manson, and Matt knows I'm obsessed with cults and the idea of cults. Um, and not like starting one, but like not not starting the one psychology. I'm smart enough not to it. join a cult, and I'm smart enough to know when I'm being involved in some sort of weird cult-like phenomenon. I um, am always fascinated by the power the power of someone, or the the how certain individuals in the world that we live in are able to 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 manipulate minds into believing every single word that they say is being absolute truth. Charles Manson did it better than everybody. Um, He is one of the most influential cult leaders of all time on media um, and one of the most talked about people of all time. Uh, And I'll read a bit of his Wikipedia and then we'll get into a discussion about the the legacy that Charles Manson left behind. Uh, (laughs) And there is one here. He's an American criminal who led what became known as the Manson family, a quasi-commune that arose in California in the late 1960s. Mason and his father, Mason, Manson and his followers committed a series of nine murders at four locations over a period of five weeks in the summer of 1969. In, ni- in 1971, he was found guilty of conspiracy to commit the murder of seven people. 
most notably of the actress Sharon Tate, all of which were carried out by members of the group at his instruction. He's currently ser- serving nine concurrent life sentences at Corcoran State Prison in Corcoran, California. Wasn't Sharon Tate uh, Roman Polanski's wife? Yes. Ah, that's what I thought. That's why Roman Polanski kind of like fell off the radar for a long time. He went fucking nuts. Um. So. And then, basically, this motherfucker is is, is fucking crazy. Uh, at the time the family began to form, Manson was an unemployed former convict who had spent half his life in correctional institutions for a variety of offenses. This motherfucker, if you read up on his early life, was hopping through different juvenile detentions. He really never had... He had a mother. He was raised by a single mother. And he would escape different areas. He, he found out a way to escape different different juvenile places. Um, he was a mother. He was on the run most of his life. Before the murders, he was a singer-songwriter on the fringe of the Los Angeles music industry, chiefly through a chance association with Dennis Wilson, drummer and founding member of the Beach Boys. No shit. <laughs> After Manson was charged with the crimes of which he later was com- convicted, recordings of songs written and performed by him were released commercially. Various musicians have covered some of his songs. He's actually got a really good song. No kidding. That I'm gonna play for some people here. I don't know if it'll be able to pick up on the the, rate, the mic here. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize he was a musician. I didn't realize he had songs. You want to hear that? This is this is actually. I think it's a beautiful song. It's not. You know. It's 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 very simple. It's called "Look at Your Game, Girl." This is by Charles Manson. We'll play a bit of it for you. I don't know if you'll be able to hear it, but Matt's gonna hear it. He'll give his impressions. Not a bad voice. Kind of a weird vibrato. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> it's I like, know, that's the it's thing. Very I, like, it's like, I feel bad. It's like 70s folksy. Frustration and doubt. Can you ever live without the game? <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. It's I like the song a lot. Uh, it's it's actually quite beautiful. Um, but he also killed a lot of people. And, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. at the end of the day, that could all go out the door because he's a fucking crazy son. Yeah, that's always the struggle is uh, disassociating the creation from the creator. Uh, like Bill Cosby's stand-up, Michael Jackson's music, whatever. <laughs> Charles Manson's Charles music. Manson's music. <laughs> Uh, so, 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 um, what is else there to say about this motherfucker? I guess well, what else is there to say? He's crazy, but I, to me, it's, it's crazy. How do you think, I want to get your perspective on this, because I've said my piece. How do you think someone is able to manipulate? What is the elements, what, what goes into someone manipulating another person to become part of a, a, a this cult, to, to, to convince someone to go out and kill High-profile actress like Sharon Tate. This is when I get a chance to rock my one semester of high school psychology and intro. Perfect. To, uh, one semester of Perfect. college intro to philosophy. But, uh, no. Um, excuse me. I tried to speak while I was swallowing water. Um, when you... 
when you have someone dark and twisted, obviously dark and twisted like Charles Manson, he finds people that are, I don't want to say weak-minded, but people that are prone to submission. I, I would assume. I don't I don't claim to be the frontmost expert on Charles Manson. I know very little. Um I would assume he would find people with some kind of like mental disorders, uh paranoid schizophrenics, stuff like that. Uh people that have excuse me, minds that can easily be manipulated. Um and when you think about manipulating the fully functioning normal in quotations because who's really normal but the fully functioning normal adult mind is not that hard hypnotists do it in vegas all the time it's the power of suggestion i'm not suggesting that charles manson hypnotized his his uh his very possible family it's definitely possible but if you like especially if you find like and night, late 60s, early 70s America was a dark time because of war and politics. People were bent on some sort of a revolution and some sort of a change. Actually, when was Manson big? Was that early 70s or was that later 70s? Uh, let me see. I just had it pulled up. Now I got rid of it. Um, Charles, Charles 31. <laughs> uh 60s, late 60s. The late 60s, okay. So yeah, that's that's prime height of Vietnam. And, and I was going to say, even if it was the late 70s too, like, uh, there was still like a definite aftershock of Man- the Manson murders in the late 70s, and post-Vietnam, everyone was still pretty pissed. There was a lot of hate and anger towards America, towards Americans, and... It was. It would have been easy for Manson to find people that wanted a revolution to join forces with them. So I guess it comes down to three things, like manipulation through uh, quote-unquote weak-minded individuals, hypnosis to a certain degree, or finding like-minded individuals bent on revolution is what my totally – non-professional in any sort of way diagnosis. I think it's a good be. way of looking at it, though. I was just interested in another perspective because personally, I just, I kind of, I'm always just fascinated, like I said, with this kind of stuff. To be, to I mean, we look at the Jonestown Massacre, <laughs> which I keep always talking about. I'm obsessed with that. The Jonestown Massacre is another prime example of just weird shit happening in America in the 70s. Yeah. The 70s were a really weird fucking time. Yeah, they were. They were definitely weird. Uh, so that's Charles Manson. Which I think is why so many great horror movies came out in the 70s. Definitely. Definitely a, a, a very valid reason why. Uh, okay, so that is Charles Manson. That's the first highlight of this week. The next is not a killer, but he tried to kill. Ah, Bjork, I know. The Bjork stalker. The reason I want to bring this guy up is mostly because it's funny to me how many people have not really heard of this guy. Or he's been, like, forgotten. Completely forgotten. Probably because he never got away with what he was trying to do. He never was able to kill Bjork. But this motherfucker, if you have time, 
Go check out these tapes. If you're really into this kind of true crime stuff, you'll never find something more fascinating than watching a man basically View unfolds. at your own discretion. Um, it yeah. gets grim. It gets grim in terms of he kills himself on screen for you, so don't... And even good. just the shit he's saying, too, it gets grim. It's very fascinating because if you watch the beginning of the tapes, they are of a guy. You can tell something's a bit off. I... Even if I wasn't to know that he was going to carry this out, I would still think this guy's a little off, maybe a little socially awkward. But he seems fine, and then it's it's like watching a movie unfold. It's like watching – you watch this psychosis full unfold over a span of about – And it was because Paul Bjork was engaged – This uh, the dating, singer, the singer a, Bjork was dating a black man, right? Yes, that is correct. It was Goldie, wasn't it? I think it was, yeah. He was in a Bond movie, Unrelated. Was he note. really? He was in The World of Sun and Huff. No way. Unrelated. I note. would have never known that. But no, that's not, I mean, it's fine. I like it. I would never have known that. Um, yeah, it's fucking, it, it, it's intense. But uh, I, I will, I will, I will leave it at, um, I won't leave it at that. I do, I do want to talk about this motherfucker because this is, this is a, this is so Honest to God, fucking crazy. But it also brings up a conversation about our, our, in some way or another, it brings up a conversation about the common man's obsession with fame and popularity. And nineties were a dark time too. <laughs> people that were fascinated, that are that are that are obsessed with with celebrities. Yeah, and this takes it to an extreme. Obviously, it definitely does when you <laughs> when you when you film yourself for the world to see a pipe bomb in order to disfigure and try you know to kill a, a famous pop singer. There's definitely some. It, it's, it's taken to it a certain extent uh, or, or past a reasonable extent. But man, I'm, I'm I'm always blown away by how much we glorify people that are popular, or famous. It's true. Um, and, and the way you you, you when, and the reason I say this is because the way you when you listen to him talk about. Bjork, he, it's like she's a goddess. Yeah, like how he like has fantasies of her, but they're they're not sexual in nature because which is also yeah that's a really interesting. Point. She's like like so pure to him or something like that. It's very bizarre. But he, uh, it's a double bladed or it's a double edged sword too because like the media itself can fuck up the famous people too. Oh, of course. Of course, I think media definitely has a. They're equally as obsessed, if not more obsessed, with celebrities. Yeah. Uh, who, who, you know, there's plenty of celebrities out there doing good, but most of the time, I would say, you know, it just let them be. They don't really. They're not doing anything that's. Uh, they're richer than us, and they're doing. They're on the screen. They're a face that it's being famous, like especially. I mean, we're we're struggling, poor college students right now. But given that we are filmmakers right now. It is still a weird concept to think that potentially we could have our name up in lights at some point. We could. To be known is a weird concept. And I think the media really feeds off of that because everyone wants to know what that's like. Yeah, and and, and to me it's – it's, but, but yeah – Jeez, I can't believe Yeah, there's so much to talk about in terms of. I mean, we could go on at tangents upon tangents. You know, for sake of time, we won't. But tangents upon tangents about you know people's fascination with you know celebrities and how we glorify them. But but in this case, it's so crazy to me because you know it's one of the things. Like I said before, this guy motherfucker. I mean, you're almost not, yeah. It's like he's talking about you know our Lord and Savior for a few seconds. It's it's, right. it's nuts. Um, and and that you brought the excellent point of. Uh, 
he wasn't viewing her in a sexual nature by any means. It was it was more like a, a father daughter protection kind of yeah. thing, which I couldn't understand. Um, horrifying. Uh, if he, the one of the most disturbing videos I've ever seen is is his final is his death. Um, it's not even just the gunshot. It's watching a man at the climax of his life. Um, so delusioned, so gone, you know, beyond saving. He is convinced of everything that he's doing. He believes everything that he's doing is is, is justified in some way or another. The, I mean, the music in the back that he's playing while he's about to kill himself. He's painted red in the face. He's got shit painted up on the walls. It's it's it's, it's more terrifying than many horror movies. Um, the real life will always be scarier than anything. Of course, and really especially in this moment. Um this video, these videos, this whole case will pop up occasionally on top five scary videos on YouTube or whatnot. I highly stress, like Matt said, before watching it, your own caution. It's it's an eye-opening. It's about six minutes long, really. I think the, the, the portion when he's painted himself red, it's about six minutes or so. But it's, it's just something. There's something so fucking awful about it. I mean, obviously you're watching a kill himself, but 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 there's that whole other dimension like I said of him just being so just so just so delusional. And, and I think so, if you like you watch the tapes from start and so to finish. It's so lonely and isolated yeah. too. If you watch the tapes from start to finish, it's also just watching someone's mind crumble yeah. on itself. Yeah, oh my gosh. So, that's the Bjork stalker um, we'll be highlighting a lot of serial killers, uh, more in depth probably, uh, throughout the next few weeks here on the Monster Midnight podcast, and uh, and there's there's plenty of them out there, and I know, like I said before, I'm not going to be able to cover every single person. There's a lot of killers out there, a lot of bad people out there, a lot of bad people. But um, I'm going to do my best to highlight as many as I can. I think for this next weekend's show, we're going to be talking about Sir John Wayne Gacy. The fucked up clown. The clown oh, that killed a lot right. of fucking people. Um, John Wayne Gacy will be talking about Ted Bundy at some point. Jeffrey Dahmer, Ed Gein. We'll talk a lot about him. Uh, Ed Gein especially because of his influence on pop culture. Uh, with two films, Texas Chainsaw and Psycho. That and a musical. Really? There was, was, a mu- it was Ed Gein the musical. That's crazy. <laughs> you know, that's the problem. You, you glamorize stuff like that. Uh, and, and then you have your copycats. So we'll be talking about that. We're going to talk about for the probably the last segment here, and uh, to soften the mood, a soften bit. the mood a bit. But this is interesting stuff. It's all it's all interesting. I, I find true crime to be very fascinating, especially like disappearances. People disappear, and there's a whole backstory to maybe why they disappeared. All those conspiracy shit. I'm into that shit. Call me what you will. Maybe I'm a fucked up individual, but. I just find that kind of stuff fascinating. That's it's, not like I, it's it, not like it's, I sympathize with what they're doing. I no, just find it intriguing. It's for me, like as a writer, I find it interesting to analyze why people do bad things, and to then incorporate that into my own work and make compelling arguments as to like why shit like this happens. I had a crazy idea. And this was copyrighted. Um, you talking about this? I think I mentioned this to you. I'd be really interested to delve into. This is not the the one you're thinking of. 
This is the one. I would be interested to make a, a prequel to... Because everybody makes movies about Charles Manson's killing life. But there's a crazy story about him escaping juvenile detention when he's younger with another feller. Feller. I don't know why I'm from the... <laughs> 1930s <laughs> in the south in the 1930s which nobody should ever have to live in um, <laughs> I'm sorry I think sorry to all our something I think that was Rob Zombie's Halloween too uh, <laughs> it's very true uh, but I was interested I was like what if we documented a young Charles Manson and we, we, we reiterate the fact that 20-30 years from now this is going to be the most notorious serial killer on the face of the earth and follow it from a another perspective of a person that was with him in his early life it'd be really interesting to see the kind of conversations those because they were traveled together for like two to three days before he got caught again it'd be kind of interesting it would be very interesting rich rich, rich uh, you know Freddy could be you pull off the whole Shawshank at the beginning you know them escaping and then you get into what they what ensues after and, and the shenanigans because they kept robbing stores throughout the way it was like kind right. of a natural born killers sort of thing um, it'd be kind of interesting so don't steal that if you stole that I'm gonna, I'll see you in court um, just like my crash says dummy killer we'll, we'll both see you in court oh yeah we'll have a dual court sesh <laughs> um, alright so this is this is gonna be a fun little part here I'm gonna ask Matt to hand me my bag over there and you can forget the empty Doritos bag I have to finish off the rest of these atomic... Oh, no, no, no. Warhead. Atomic warhead. Worms that are so below average, it's not even funny. Um, <laughs> look, man, every time I go to the store now, especially around the Halloween season, I'm, I'm, I'm not wanting to stick with the same thing every time. Right. I don't know about your That's experience. That's fair. I, I, when it comes to candy, I've got my favorites, and I, I it's hard for me to try anything else. Yeah. Oh, um, mm, that tastes good, but that's because I'm hungry as fuck right now. Um, <laughs> would you like to try one here, Matt? Uh, sure, why not? Atom- just warheads, are they, like, hot? No, they're not, spi- oh, okay. they're not sour. That's what's really kind of disappointing, because I like warheads. They're just kind of good. Yeah, that's boring as fuck. I know. Like, it's sweet. It's not sour at all. It's fine. No. What am I talking about? I got to finish uh, this. This is good for podcast listening. Um, or ASMR. Um, um. <laughs> I'm going to be talking to you today about the candy that I found in my garden. We're going to be talking to you today about Charles Manson. I am Charles Manson. I'm his son. We're going to be talking to you today about Rob Zombie's hit album, uh, Red Regeneration Vendor. Well, I don't know. But Which I do actually appreciate. I gotta bring up some some of the worst and best candy. I was gonna just talk exclusively about bad candy, but since we have so much to cram into only a few episodes, I highly doubt we're gonna get back to the whole candy portion. And what's and what's Halloween without candy? Yeah, you can't can't not talk about good candy because Gramps still piling I worms so in his mouth. Right <laughs> Um. All right, I'll get through this part and I'll take another bite. If you are going out, if you're still of the age of trick or treating, and no, being 19 like us does not count. I'm 20 now. Fuck. I that really doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. Um. If you're 18, 19, even if you're fucking 16, 
chill it out. This isn't reply to you. You can still go trick-or-treating, but I'm talking to younger kids who may be not as experienced and probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast and just go to bed right now. <laughs> and we, yeah, we, we use the F word a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot. <laughs> but if I was to talk to them... Okay, I can apply it to adult. I can say if you're going to bring candy to a Halloween party... Or what you're what, serving during trick-or-treating. Yeah. Here's not what to give to kids or your coworkers. Because if you give it to your coworkers, they probably will despise you, and you'll be the subject of all <laughs> work gossip for the rest of your life. <laughs> We're going to talk about the good Halloween candy first, because I want to keep it positive. Actually, we'll switch that around. I want to keep it negative. We'll start with the <laughs> we'll start with the negative. We'll we'll finish on positive notes. Right. Negative candy, Matt. I know your first one. The king of all bad candy. Candy corn. Fucking candy Why corn. Why is it bad? Why is it bad? I don't fucking... Can Mike attest to this? Mike, come in here. You tell me your description of candy corn. Mike Hagen, ladies and gentlemen. Well, please welcome what is Mike thought- Hagen. Yeah, here we go. Give me your thoughts on candy corn, because you accurately described it earlier. Uh, like, the first five or six are, like, insanely good, but, like, after you get past those, it's just kind of, like, eh. Perfect. Thank you, Mike Hagen. See, that was I, beautiful. I'm, like, I, I appreciate Mike's input, but I'm, I don't even agree with that. There isn't a single time I've, like, had, I've, I, I can, like, don't be like that. I just don't have the same taste buds as you. We're human. Fuck. I can't do candy corn at all. The second I, I bite into one, I hate the texture. I hate how fucking sugary it is. I hate how it's just and it's just like sugary and sweet, and it's just like it crumbles in like weird gooey—not even like gooey, it's just like disintegrates in weird crumbly like ash in your fucking mouth, and it's sugary and obnoxiously sweet, but not in a good like fun way. It's. God, it's just I don't get why like oh yeah bring out the candy corn it's Halloween it's like no it's fucking I feel like I'm eating a blood clot it's not you good blood clot that's a good way of putting it like I appreciate I understand where Mike is coming from to an extent but I I'm at the point now in my life where I'm just like no fuck candy get that shit away by from the me. end of this podcast by ne- the end of on October thirty when's when's the last Saturday in October. It's like the tw- it's the 29th. 29th. Okay, by the 29th, I'm going to have an entire stash of candy corn waiting for you. And you're going to eat it all. You can say that, but it's not going to happen. It's going to happen right here on the Monsters of Midnight podcast. Yeah, I hear he's sobbing and just munching <laughs> on weird decisions. The last fucking uh, Monsters of Midnight is going to be an actual horror movie where it's Matt just, just It's just it's seven, time. only he's feeding me fucking candy corn. <laughs> uh I'm going to kick off with my worst candy, and uh, I was a sucker for it at one point, then I realized it is candy, whether you want to admit it or not. Swedish fish. I was thinking the same shit, actually, yeah. I think it is the most bland, uninteresting candy of all time. There's nothing, because at least with Sour Patch Kids, which I, for some reason those guys are always clumped, are they made by the same people? I don't know, but Sour Patch Kids, I remember being tougher. Side note, I remember them being a lot more sour. Even the extreme ones are kind of pussy. Yeah, um, I think sour. I think Swedish Fish are so just boring and just the same. Every bite is there's nothing different. I know that's the point, but 
you gotta keep me interested when I'm eating a whole bag of these. You can't get them in like you can get rare. You can, sometimes you can get the small box. Most of the time they come in like packs of them. Right, they're like a million of them. And yeah. like you know, and I agree. Like I can, I can tolerate Swedish fish because they have a flavoring on like candy corn, where it's just like fucking cavity is the flavor. But it. Swedish fish have the same weird problem where you bite into it and it's like gummy, but then all of a sudden like crumbles in a weird, indiscernible way that's just disgusting. Yeah, it's it's bad. It really is bad. Um, Swedish fish is horrible. Another one I wasn't a big fan of, um, those bottle cap ones. Oh, I love bottle caps. You do? You I do. love bottle caps. Really? I must have not had them in a long time, but I remember ever liking those too much. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just I don't, okay. I don't know if I love bottle caps, but I do like bottle caps. Okay, I like. And I don't like. I'm, I'm sticking with the don't likes right now. Something that like I enjoy is something that Mike was talking about that like I enjoy for the first few pieces, but then I'm done with are milk duds. Love me some milk duds. Man. I I do two for about a hot minute, but then all of a sudden there is just like eating tar because they're so fucking thick. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's always a common complaint with milk does is that you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get that really that ropey, just yeah. thick goo stuck I everywhere. I'm a sucker for milk does. It's the one thing I request in any kind of care packages. There, there you go. Um, yeah, they're shitty candy. There's plenty of them out there that you know we don't hear. Runts, Ugh. runts. I haven't had runts in forever. I don't even know if I remember what a runt. I is. used to like jujubes. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Jujubes, can't stand them anymore. I don't know. You know, fucking candy cigarettes. You ever have those I had a, as a yeah. kid? Just like eating a piece of chalk, mint flavored. Honestly, you smoke chalk. real cigarettes, kids. Well, yeah, but it's just eating a mint flavored piece of fucking chalk. It's what it is. It's, bur- it's brutal. Um, I don't remember ever liking those. Um, what else? There's plenty of good candy, but there, that's some shitty candy. I'm sure I might think of some more along the way. Uh, good candy. Where do I even start? I do like Sour Patch Kids. I like Sour Patch Kids, even though they aren't like like. I don't know. Uh, wait, I, I, I kind of see what you mean. I do. I do think they definitely decrease intensity. Probably maybe, some maybe, some some parent council out there probably was. Or maybe I was just more of a pussy when I was a kid. But I just I remember like last year my one of my late night snacks. I would grab a uh, pack of Sour Patch Kids. Pack of cigs and a. <laughs> Pack of cigs and a pack of Sour Patch Kids, and all of us and like they were just so like tame and just like those warhead worms. But then like you get the extreme ones, and there's a little bit more of an edge to them, but they're still not like mouth twist inside out sour like yeah, I want. Definitely. Uh, other good ones. Well, I said milk duds. I think my absolute favorite candy is the Reese's Peanut Butter. I think I'm going to be on the same board with you, probably. I love the Reese's Peanut Butter. Uh, I'm a sucker for Crunch Bars. I like Crunch Bars, too. Crunch Bars, okay, my thing is, I get too riched out by Hershey's, like, chocolate bars. Yeah. Crunch feels a little less, less, less thick. It feels a little more. Uh, I think it's because of like their air yeah, bubbles it's, it's, it's or whatever. Bubbles. The fuck and they that, are. That, that works very well. I like that kind of crispy mm-hmm. element. Um, Kit Kats. I'm a sucker for Kit Kats, man. Kit Kats are okay. Kit Kats kind of like fall in the middle ground for me. They're fine. I don't like uh, 
I don't really like uh, Milky Way as many as many people like. I like Milky Ways, but I like Snickers more because there's a more Snickers, yeah, there's a more meat more. to it. Well, not meat, but there's more. There's meat. more protein. There's some more texture and like depth to a Snickers. I love Twix. Do you love Twix? I like. Uh, another good one here. You know, you're talking about Hershey's. I love uh, Hershey's. Uh, their cookies and cream candy bar that have like the little chocolate like crunches in them. Oh and yeah, white yeah. chocolate. Oh, oh red. That's good shit. Hello, Garrett. He's gonna he's gonna get out of here. Let's get out. You got eight minutes, you son of a bitch. Then you can do whatever you profane activity you want to do in here. <laughs> Hello, Garrett. Garrett, we all know Garrett. Garrett was on Living the Dream. Yeah, he was. We should all should listen to it. That was beautiful, by the way. Yeah, you're screaming out the lakes in Wapaka. <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah, he was. Yeah. He's the big, he was the guy who advocated for Parks and Rec. Mike claims he won, and uh, I said he won, but I don't know. Those were pretty, that was a pretty hard Mike claims he won, and I said he won, so I guess he won. Mike claims he won, yeah, he said he won, but then I think about it at the end of the day, I'm like, I don't know. They were pretty evenly matched, but... uh Okay, we're talking about shitty... Or no, Garrett, if you had to give me a good Halloween candy, what would it be? Reese's. Yeah, Reese's. Yeah, Reese's. 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 He said Reese's. What's your least favorite candy? Like, ever? Or, or just was, uh, or any kind of shitty candy that you don't like? Yeah, yeah candy corn. Candy corn. That seems to be a popular thing. <laughs> See, here's the thing. I lo- I know so many people that just like swear up and down by candy corn, though. And it's like, it's a nostalgic why? thing because that's like just that's like a symbol of Halloween as a kid, and that was my yeah, whole thing. You know, it's a symbol of Halloween too. Getting your fucking head cut off by a maniac, and I would rather have that than eat fucking candy corn. I don't know, Matt. That may be a bit extreme. I don't think so. Um, we're out to other good stuff here. Uh, Crunchy, yeah, we talk about Crunch Bar. We talk about Snickers. There's like the lesser known ones. Twix. Talk about Twix. We got a good man here. He's like, he's just saying everything we just said. said. (laughs) Uh, What the hell else? um, Underrated. Skittles. I like Skittles. I get sick of those. Oh, yeah. Actually, I'm a, I love M and M's. Actually, I'm gonna say M and M's are my all time favorite. Sour Skittles are a sour candy. I finally I like good, enjoy because they, they suck me. They, the sour Skittles I like more than regular they, Skittles. M and M's are perfect though. There's nothing wrong with it. No. And we're kinda, we were talking about that. We're kinda, I'm. I just I think bash he Swedish fish. The, hates them more than I do, but I don't like Swedish fish. The, I used to. That's the problem. Uh, I don't know. Oh gosh. What's your stance on Twizzlers? Because I like the ones that peel it's, apart. Uh, that's my. That's my. Uh, they're good for the first few, then they get really old. Because I, lo- I really like the ones that peel apart, but the ones that are just like flavor different. Those are strawberry. The other ones are cherry. Well, yeah, but the the other ones are like gross. They're just like weird, like licorice that isn't good. It doesn't matter. They they peel apart. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other element to it. Yeah. Uh, all right, Garrett. Bye, Garrett. Thanks for tuning he's, he's in. He's always he's always here. He was tuning into the Facebook live stream. He's seen all the shenanigans we've been doing, so he's just adding to the catastrophe. No, yeah, no, I, I, Garrett's right. Yeah, the, the, like the weird, just like straw, fucking licorice, uh, Twizzlers are straw, strawberry. The peel apart ones are cherry. I, I, I do prefer cherry. Sometimes, I prefer cherry in terms of artificial flavoring. So I guess I do. That's part of the reason why. But just something about the, the, the 
strawberry straw Twizzlers that don't yeah. groove with me. I don't know, man. It's a crazy world. There's so many candy to choose from nowadays. Nowadays, yeah. You almost don't have an excuse now to not have no candy at your fucking door. No, unless you're not home. Unless you're not home. But even then, the people they'll they'll go out of their way to to put on the, like if they're on vacation, they'll put it out for people to have. Um, it's weird. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Know. I've never understood the. Oh yeah, take one. That's not going to happen ever. <laughs> It's please take one. They know they're not going to yeah. only take one. Take one. No, take five. Take five candy bars. That's like a. I like those. Those are good. Uh, what's the other one? That Payday. Is? That's like a big gooey. Hundred grand. Hundred grands are good. Actually, I do like hundred grands a lot, but the payday bars are like a big gooey wad of caramel peanut butter and nougat and peanuts. I'm a sucker for Butterfinger, but that that shit makes oh. me feel like a disaster. After <laughs> me too, but I love Butterfinger. I love them, but man, after I eat that, I'm like, wow, I'm a detestable human being. I should rethink everything I'm doing. Baby in my life. Ruths. I never got into those. Oh, I love Baby Ruths. Oh, you know what's a really weird one? Charleston Chew. I've never had that's like the marshmallowy shit, isn't it? Not I've never big, never had they're one like of those. average, but uh, sometimes I really crave one and then sometimes I'm like that's the worst thing I've ever had. <laughs> it's weird. I've it never is. had one. But like, I, this I is like candy, it, I know but, what it is. Uh, it's not God, candy. I want but, candy now. It's a good thing Walgreens is open twenty four hours. <laughs> Are you gonna go get candy after this, man? I probably shouldn't, but I kinda want to. <laughs> uh people should all pick up some booberry and some cow chocolate. I had, uh, I had Frankenberry for the first time uh, a few weeks ago. It was all right. Frankenberry's my probably my least favorite. My uh, my girlfriend, lovely girlfriend, shouts to Aramis, uh, swears up and down by Monster cereal because she grew up with it. Oh, Count Chocula is incredible. I've never had Count Chocula. That's the one I'll try. That's next. my favorite. I think it goes to Count Chocula, Booberry, and Frankenberry. I will try Count Chocula. And Just because it's it's next. so simple and it's like oh, it's chocolate. Right, getting more chocolate. It's not too rich in chocolate. What's your favorite cereal? Not that that's relevant at all. But I'm curious now. Lucky Charms. Lucky Charms, hands down. That's a good choice. Um, I, I'm a sucker for uh, Rice Krispies too. What about it? Mm. I get, I love. It. I don't know. I don't know why. I, I, I can't. Oh, do... Golden Grams. Golden. Grams oh, I love one. Golden Grams. I need sugar in my cereal because I'm a fatty. I can't do Rice Krispies <laughs> unless they're in bars. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we got about. Two minutes left here, right on the Monster Midnight Podcast. If you've been tuning in with us at any point during the live stream of the episode, I would like to thank each and every one of you for doing so. Um, if, if you have the time to listen to us blabber on, it's, it's – thank you. Thank you a lot. Um, it's look, Sunday now. It's Sunday. It's Sunday if you're listening to this live, and it's – you know, if you're not listening to it live, well, it's, it's Sunday. It's Sunday. <laughs> it's Sunday. I don't Schaefer care. Schaefer Shocktober, day two. Day two. He's officially – The house of the devil is today. Yes. Um, thank you to Matt Schaefer. We still got a few more episodes of this thing. My about, absolute so. pleasure. Um, we're going to be back here next Saturday night. We'll be pre-recorded, but we're going to stream it live. So you'll be watching it in a live format, but it's going to be pre-recorded. We will have recorded it a couple of nights before. Um, tune in tomorrow or today, uh, Green Bay Packer Companion, right on Spreaker.com with, at 11 p.m. at 10 p.m. Central Time. All the reg- regular content of Zima Podcasting, which I just feel so weird saying because it's like I run the thing and it's my <laughs> name, but... That's why I gotta get more. I gotta get more shows contracted so they can say my name instead of right. saying my name. <laughs> um, but we we got the regular content this week. Movie Madness on Tuesdays and Fridays, and then Living the Dream on Wednesday and Saturday. Had a good episode with Brian Annis today on. Still Living need the to Dream. check that out. 
Uh, it was great. Great episode. We talked about the Did he talk one. more? Yeah, he did. He did. He was <laughs> okay. great. Great, great. Uh, so, yeah, we'll check out here. We'll see you, folks. This month's Midnight. Matt, say one last thing. Thank you for tuning in to Monsters at Midnight. Be sure to cling the covers tight while you sleep. <laughs> Beautiful! <laughs> oh, fuck me. Hi, Fashion Hotline. Hi, this Easter I'm on the hunt. For eggs? For new styles my family can wear to brunch. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get a huge 50% off your entire purchase in store. Everything you need, like dresses, polos, and shorts, is 50% off. 50% off? You must be hiding something. Dresses start at just $12 for women, $10 for girls. But Easter's just three days away. Then hop to it. It's in stores only. Don't tell the Easter Bunny. Hurry in for 50% off your entire purchase in stores only. Now at Old Navy. Valid 14 to 420 in stores only. Excludes in store clearance, gift cards, register lane items, jewelry today only and today only deals. Hi, Fashion Hotline. Hi, this Easter I'm on the hunt. For eggs? For new styles my family can wear to brunch. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get a huge 50% off your entire purchase in store. Everything you need, like dresses, polos, and shorts, is 50% off. 50% off? You must be hiding something. Dresses start at just $12 for women, $10 for girls. But Easter's just three days away. Then hop to it. It's in stores only. Don't tell the Easter Bunny. Hurry in for 50% off your entire purchase in stores only. Now at Old Navy. Valid 14 to 420 in stores only. Excludes in store clearance, gift cards, register lane items, jewelry, today only and today only deals.